0: Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who's abroad in New Zealand. What's up, John? Not much. Are Still you refreshed. Uh,
1: on, I am refreshed. Just got back from being on my first Pacific island.
0: <laughs> That's not New Zealand. When you my said first, first when island. you said yes. first in that sentence, mm-hmm. I was like, "Is he about to say I was on my first honeymoon?"
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> that too. First and only honeymoon. Yeah, this is it. no more honeymoons. There's one, one wedding, one honeymoon. That's it. This is for life. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that would be pretty wild if that's if that's
1: where you were going with no, that. No, no, no. It's just the joke that I always make. That I'm sure someone, there's someone in New Zealand rolling their eyes when I make this dad joke. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, Pacific Island, New Zealand. Oh, I didn't, ex- you know, I expected palm trees and sun and blue water. I didn't expect wind and cold and and rain. Um. So yeah, I was on an actual Pacific Island with coconuts and palm trees and warm water that you can walk into every day yep. um, so i went to Rarotonga. i don't know if you know where that is cook islands basically um to the well, cook I islands it up, for honeymoon
0: i looked it up the first time you told me about it it is, it is east of
1: fiji i believe so if you know where fiji is on the map go east yep. and you'll hit another cluster of islands that are the hmm. cook islands so Small island. a, a lot more Yeah, a lot more Kiwi-centric, as in that's where all the Kiwis go to to go on vacation and holiday. (laughs) Uh, Fiji, I would say, is a lot more international, right? Because a lot of Americans go to... You've been to Fiji. Yep. A lot of people have been to Fiji. Not a lot of people have been to Rarotonga unless you're Kiwi, or maybe Australian as well. Looks beautiful. It is. It's very beautiful, right? Like I'm not a big water guy, but... We did, you know, the weather wasn't great the whole time, had a, quite a bit of rain, but still, right, it's the vibe of it, you are know, on island time, everything, you know, just, there's nothing to do, as in, it's not like you got to go show up somewhere, you can kind of do what you want. Um, we'll definitely go back when the weather is nicer, because got a little glimpse of snorkeling, didn't expect it to be fun, but it's very cool seeing fish under the water. Like on that, right at your feet. Yeah, it's cool, right? Um, yep. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested to do more of uh, of that. I enjoyed myself a lot. It was a lot of fun.
0: Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. See, yeah I, that's something, there, how long, how long of nothing can you take? Because that's, that's Ooh. the thing, right? That That's the part that resonates as a, that, that's the thing that I always struggle with thinking about a beach, a beach holiday, right? Mm-hmm. Which is when you're there, you're really ultimately doing nothing. You are like, there are people who thrive sitting on a beach and chilling. And that's what I associate with the beach. You're like, wow, this is a very pretty beach. Cool. Mm -hmm. I will occasionally walk into the water. Now I'm out of the water and I'm back to doing nothing. I eat, I repeat, I eat, I, I maybe drink, then I sleep, then I do that again. How long can you do that?
1: Now the thing is, I can do this much longer than you can. I
0: know. Oh, for sure, I can do this for about four hours. <laughs> and that four hours, I, I mean, like that—that that means between like the one hour prior to lunch, the one hour after lunch, and then I go. I'm like, I gotta do something. I'm getting fidgety.
1: <laughs> I I joked about this with Alice, and I said, you know, it's funny how different of a vacation this is than the vacations <laughs> I've been on in the last five years, and specifically with Jason, because all we do is we wake up and we—I mean, we go for about 12 hours, right? That's probably about fair, right? I would say when me and you vacation together, we probably mm-hmm. wake up around, you know, we're out by nine and we're probably back by nine, 10, 11 o'clock on 99% of the nights.
0: Yeah, we'll have, we'll have days, you know, we we often we take our time to chill in between, yeah. but it's usually just like, hey, let's take an hour to, to recharge both ourselves yeah. and, our, and Not, our phones. Let's take a whole day where out, you yeah. basically,
1: no. I mean, I, I read two books in a week. Like, that's how much time I had. Wow. Like, you know, there was a TV, but, you know, you like, I don't want to turn on the TV here. I want to read. I want to look at the water. I want to go walk out there every once in a while because I just got swim trunks on all day. So, like, I-, I found that I could do this for a lot longer than I thought I could. But honestly, cool. I would say two weeks. Two honestly, weeks. I'd say a, I could do a solid two weeks before I start going, okay, like, what are we? Like, is there something else to do? But at the same time, I- I've lived in New Zealand's pace of life is more similar to Rahatonga than it is to New York. So, I mean, I've lived here for almost a decade. So right. I'm more prone to be able to turn it off, but I do miss the, I mean, traveling to big cities is my type of holiday. That is my vacation, is go to a big city, get blasted with stuff for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Oh, And then come back to my <laughs> quiet little corner of the world. <laughs> But you for you be blasted by stuff. All right, fair enough. I mean, just visually, right? It's just there's always this. That's going worse.
0: On. That's a worse way of putting it. <laughs> Get you in my eyes. I mean. You know what I mean. But for you, again, you but yes. you
1: really liked Fiji
0: though. Like I remember you telling me how well, awesome it, Fiji but was, was. But there. you also
1: did, but you did a ton of stuff though. <laughs> you I, did everything.
0: Here's what I did in Fiji, right? I I landed in Fiji at about eight AM, right? Something like that. Got to my hotel room, checked checked in. Um, is that the morning that I said that I took somebody's breakfast? Let's just assume I did that the first, <laughs> the first day. It was an accident. I gave the wrong room number. I apologized afterwards. And they're like, it's fine. You're good. I was like, great. So got a free breakfast on someone else's dime. Perfect. Then got a, uh, not that it was charged. It was just like I gave him the room that had a free breakfast. And then like, you don't know. Right. Then I uh, I did a jet ski and snorkeling tour where, and that lasted a few hours, then got lunch at some Indian place, which was very good. Then, uh, absolutely crashed because I was so imbued with, uh, with, uh, radiation from the sun that I had to, uh, that I had to crash, woke up horribly sunburned. um, got dinner at that point. Um, then basically just chilled out for a moment. I don't remember what I did at night, um, it wasn't very exciting, but I was very tired. So I probably just went to sleep early to wake up very early the next day, went to the airport and left. That was my Fiji trip. So, yeah, so very you know, short, very short, time. but did a lot. And um, yeah, it was it was good. I liked it. I like the 24 hours in Fiji. I think that's a good amount of time to spend in Fiji. That's real funny. <laughs> no, most people are like, I think, oh,
1: like like most people were telling me like, oh, a week's perfect but you could do a little longer like most people don't think that 24 hours is enough they're like that's all like you didn't actually relax and you're like i'm being
0: i'm being hyperbolic i think at an island location like this i could probably do a week but that week would have things like all right i gotta go for a hike i gotta do something i gotta find shit to do i can't just sit on a beach i can't just sit on a beach for days that's not that's not my bag and yeah, because even if you're sitting on a beach, I don't you know. There's just something about it. It's fine. It's good. It's pretty. <laughs> I'm looking at this water. It's pretty. I want to jump in the water. It is. It's great. And again, the people are super nice. Like,
1: Rarotonga, I highly recommend specifically if you're, you know, if you're an American or someone who doesn't know what this island is and you want an island that's a little smaller. Now, they've got a bunch of satellite islands that apparently are where you really go, right? Like, if you really want to have a nice, quiet, like, I mean, I think there's 10,000 people who live on this island. This island's not big, it takes an hour to drive around. It's about. Did- I would say it's, I mean, uh, what's the best way to, it's probably a little bigger than Ishigaki. Okay. Like Ishigaki to probably took us about 45 minutes to drive around in a circle. I'd say it's maybe a little bigger than that.
0: No, it took 45 to drive across. Not, okay, so maybe, not so, so, maybe
1: it's, so maybe it's quite, a, it, I, mean, I would say it's, yeah, it's about an hour to drive, drive around in a circle. So maybe, again, yeah, I'd have to look up the, the size, but it's, it's bigger than Ishigaki, but obviously much smaller than Jeju. Right, because cool. Jeju would take you probably about a good two hours to drive around.
0: Well, no, it took it took yeah 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 yeah. It's to like drive two from hours, one side to yeah. the other Jeju. It's like three hours. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
1: but to like actually just yeah. go around in a circle, if you get decent traffic, like again, it's not Jeju. Jeju had almost you know had like six hundred thousand people that lived there. So yes. no, oh, yeah. you know this like only there was, this there's only legit 10, cities. There was yes. a legit yeah, city yeah. in
0: Jeju. Yeah.
1: So yeah, but anyways, like I mean, it was very I'll tell you, it I'll makes tell you me want to do more island vacations, personally. Of like, yeah. but I, I think you need a good balance. I think the balance is some island vacations. But then I, I need I'm like you though. I I need the city. I need to be able to go
0: see like people who aren't just chilling out. <laughs> Jeju seems like an ideal island, right? So does I mean Ishigaki to an extent, right? Because you had a pretty interesting the Ishigaki downtown was absolutely tiny. But the doubt, da- but the stuff that's there was very interesting. Like i I still talk about that cocktail bar where the guy literally used an entire banana as a garnish. Yeah, like I still <laughs> talk about that place. It's awesome. It was called Bar yeah. Nobu. I don't even have to look it up. I just know what it is. And the fact that and there was like these other interesting bars, like there was a record bar there. There was some great, great food options. and it was awesome. And then you had the beautiful beaches. Like that place is great. Jeju is a bigger version of that. Like you get a legit city in Jeju. Yes. And then you have all these awesome beaches, so that that was very cool as well. But you know, I really miss JJ. I miss I miss that food, man. I miss that black pork. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like,
1: and I would say the food while it was good, it's a lot more kind of they're catering to tourists, right? They're catering to people with kids. They're catering to Kiwis who want to eat, you know fish and chips and want to eat stuff that you would consider kind of standard and basic it's not like jeju where you're like oh you have this special thing that only exists here this is
0: delicious right it well, that's wasn't the like problem. they were just that, catering that seems, towards yeah that seems like the biggest problem with roratanga is that there's too many kiwis so as a result there's a lot, of kiwis. <laughs> there yeah. a so lot pe- of kiwis. there are a lot of people I'd... people talk well, let me guess people talk funny there's no <laughs> ice and um yeah, all the other shit that comes around, and and they're and if they did have a KFC on the island, there's no biscuits.
1: Well, it's real funny they're because monsters. people, again, a lot of people from Rarotonga from the island go to live in New Zealand. I think they're actually they're they're New Zealand citizens. If you live in Rarotonga, you can get citizenship. Yeah. So a lot oh. of people, right? It's a lot of people who go over to New Zealand to make a living, but then have family back on the island. So like people bring buckets of KFC to the island.
0: What <laughs> are you for real? KFC?
1: I'm dead serious. People wow. bring all sorts of stuff from New Zealand because, right? That's like, hey you you're living in you're living in big Auckland, right? That's a million people. We from an island from ten thousand people, so they they bring all of the the stuff over, okay.
0: and you know, bring KFC, probably bring a little McDonald's,
1: you know. Wow, so it's a little
0: different. Okay, is uh, it, so is Rotorua like uh? Like Puerto Rico to the U.S. in that way,
1: a little bit. Yeah, but you know what? That's not a yeah. bad comparison. A little bit. Okay. I would say a little. Like like they don't vote in New Zealand elections.
0: They do they have like a representative in Parliament or anything like that? I don't. Right? I, do I mean, system?
1: maybe that's a, this. Maybe a little outside of my depth. They might, but if anything, there's maybe someone who's more. Yeah, should I mean? But also, I they just sent me something in the mail. I didn't actually have to stand up and do anything to become a citizen. It was during COVID, so like just here. Here's the paperwork. Oh um, wow take home yeah experience. so like so yeah like i never actually had to do like the official citizenship stuff they just handed me the thing and was like you're done it's good wow <laughs> so, <laughs> so does that mean you have an asterisk where it says New Zealand no Citizen? No. <laughs> no no it's legit it's legit so yeah, so, yeah, okay. so if, if there is one, it would be someone who's more sort of centered towards all. All right. New Zealand is an island nation that has a great relationship with the Pacific Islands because, you know, a lot of the Pacific Islander heritage is also here in New Zealand. Like it's kind of it's kind of this region, Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, like it's all very similar, um, similar backgrounds. It's kind of like you could say akin to like Latin America. Well, right. There's very different, right? There's difference, but you know, but most people speakers are speaking the same, somewhat of the same language, but obviously it's a little different between some parts of it. Um, so yeah, but anyways, Ro- Rotonga was great. And and again, I think I I half joked and said, as I'm now a married man, we should do more if we do more joint vacations. I think we got to find places like Busan where there was kind of a beach scene, but there's also a city scene. You got to find those nice towns during the time of year where you can kind of do like some days of relaxing do nothing and some days of like big city walk around stuff you need that nice mixture i
0: think sure yeah i get it you also don't need a beach to chill and do nothing at you could you could literally do that anywhere no but it's more fun with a beach (laughs) yeah i was listening to uh bill burr's podcast and he was saying that he, he was giving shit to people who were like oh do the touristy stuff go there he's like what you should be doing is sitting at a cafe and just watching the people and i was just like yeah, but you know where locals go? They go to Starbucks. <laughs> like, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, where yeah. Locals absolutely. go.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You locals are like, wait, we don't want so, this local nonsense. We want Starbucks.
0: Yeah, like that's that's what they're doing. That's the basic yeah. thing. If you're doing a day to day, they're going to Starbucks. They're doing the same shit they do anywhere else. Yes. yes, they'll have some personal favors in the local spots, but everything inevitably will become a tourist place if it's good enough. Yes. So, yeah. that's and, you know,
1: there's times tourist, when you yeah. don't want to be a tourist, but I'm just like, That's what's nice about this, where sometimes in big city, you do feel like a little bit fraudulent that you're like, oh, I'm just doing the touristy thing. And maybe that's just your own self-conscious of like, oh, I don't want to stand out when I'm, you know, I'm having a good time. But when you're on an island, like everyone is a tourist and the people on the island are like, yes, we need tourists because 70 percent of our income comes from tourism. So please, you know, show up and spend money and let's go do the stereotypical tourist thing. Which is nice. Right. Versus someone being like, oh, you, you know, you idiot, you dump tourist." And it's like, well, no, everyone's like, yeah, of course you're a dump tourist. Here's another drink. So it's good. So it's nice. It's it's a bit like Disneyland, so to speak, where you kind of know you got the Mickey Mouse ears on, but you're like, whatever, it's Disneyland. I'm supposed to look like this.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, cool. Good stuff. So I don't have back? much. Uh, I, I think we'll be when, back
1: more regular now that now that all of the fun stuff is yeah, over. It's just going to be me before? packing to move.
0: <laughs> so that's it. When did when did we record last? Did I go to Seattle or was I going to Seattle? I think you were headed towards Seattle. I think. Oh, all right. Well, I've been I think It had not happened yet. It's been maybe oh. three
1: weeks. I would assume.
0: Oh, then yes, I went to Seattle and I've been to Portland. I've done both of those things there since we last spoke. It was good. Went to PAX out there. Hawking games. Hawken video games. Yes, it was very good. I, I I love doing conventions, man. Like, I really do. It's always cool to, like, watch people play your stuff. It's just exciting. And also, it's my first time in Seattle. And Seattle. Yeah, I'm,
1: su- I'm actually surprised
0: by that, given yeah. the, how close you have
1: family to that area. Like, I just figured you would have been to Seattle before. I'm surprised that that's your first
0: time. Right? I know. Well, it's not the closest thing in the world because I've been to Portland a bunch because that's where my dad lives. But I've that's the that's the closest I've really gotten. And I've been to well, that okay, this isn't really true. I've been to Bellevue a few times, uh, but this was over. This is like ten years ago, and I so I went to Seattle for literally like an hour for a meeting, and that was it. And this was so this was really my first time realistically in Seattle where I was actually able to walk around the city. Seattle, great city. Have you been?
1: No. I, I again as as I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast, but I will be moving to Vancouver for a couple of years. And so all of this stuff is on my list. Like to go see like all of yep. these, all the Pacific Northwest stuff. I've never been to Portland. I've never been further north than I had to look at a map. Like I would say San Francisco, but obviously I think like I've probably been to Sacramento, which is maybe. You've been a to uh, what's
0: what's the name of that spa town in uh, L.A.? It's north of L.A., right? It's um, it's not osha but it sounds something like that. Oh uh, no, I don't know. Osha, it's not Osha. That's wrong too. Hang on a second. No, OSHA, that is so osha is something else. It's not Osha. It's just um, north of L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. North
1: and not and not like southeast. Sure, it's north.
0: Okay, because like um, Palm
1: Desert, Palm Springs, been to all that stuff. Maybe it is That's south. That's what I think it's, of resort town, like resort spa town. I think of Palm Springs personally.
0: Where the hell did I go? Uh,
1: o- California. Oh, <laughs> <storm.
0: laughs> no, OJAI? Oh, hi. Oh, hi. That's it. Oh, hi. No, I've never O-hi. been to Ojai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's that? Is it, was that it right? Is it north?
1: <laughs> uh, it is north. Yes, it's north. It's by, it's like just north of Oxnard. It's like before you get yeah, to yeah, Santa yeah. Barbara. I've been to Santa Barbara, but it's before right. you get to Santa Barbara.
0: Ojai. Um, went on a uh, my first retreat with uh, when I worked for uh, the game agency back in the day. Name dropping. Um, that was where we went. There was like six of us, So we went to Ojai. That's where we went before we went to E3. Hmm. And uh, it, you want to talk about a like a trip to do nothing? Like that was that was literally like a little spa retreat. There was five dudes and one woman, and we, uh, yeah, there was. It was all like spa based stuff. It was, it was huh. weird. Um, so, yeah, so int- actually, looking at the map,
1: the furthest north I've been on the west coast, if you can call this that, is Salt Lake, is <laughs> Utah. Oh, okay, um, oh, yeah. I've been to like north again. So, like, if you actually look at like California, if you consider Pacific Northwest, just California, Oregon, and Washington. I would in the not. The furthest north I've California. been is like I would literally like just consider Sacramento. that
0: Oregon and Washington.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if yeah, Pacific Northwest, I've not been to. I mean, obviously, I've been to Vancouver, but I don't kind of weak I'm talking about like actual like make a point to go there for not just work. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Got it. And in well, the U.S., so
1: yeah, so Seattle and Portland are on my list to go to in the next two years.
0: Seattle, pretty awesome city. Not gonna lie, I really like the vibes of Seattle and surprisingly like it did have that legit city feel kind of compressed because i was we were staying downtown but it also is not far removed from actual like you know less city stuff you know like you yeah we went up to the the space pretty quickly. space needle at this point hilariously titled because that thing is more like uh it's like a like a pin it's so yeah, it's tiny, right? <laughs> not it is tiny yeah it the yeah. only reason it feels bigger is just because it's not surrounded by anything um but i did go up it and it, it was cool and you could see like a bunch of stuff to the north and, and get good uh views of the skyline but i i didn't realize seattle is basically on a big ass hill like i wouldn't have done that I, I know it's by as, water but i wouldn't have. yeah hill, and bro. from the water to the east is just all uphill so it's huh. got that really cool i i really like architecture that's just like that that has verticality in it it's like a city that kind of like builds on top of each other to me it's just very cool looking and seattle does that like we were at the on the pier and if you look on the right it's literally you're just looking at a wall of city it's very interesting looking um so yeah it, it was cool the food was great the scene was cool it had like that kind of it didn't feel as aggressively edgy as Portland seems to, or even like a place like Austin is trying to be. Yeah. In that, although sense. I've, I've heard things but that Austin there. have,
1: that Austin has taken a weird, not a weird turn, but obviously, so many Californians moving to Austin have made things a little, a little less Texas and a little more California. <laughs> is it Joe Rogan's fault? Is he? Did he do that? Yeah, exactly. It's Joe Rogan's fault.
0: Figured as much. But yeah, there is. There is some really good food out there. Um, interest, uh, really clean city. Yes. There's like some homeless drifting around and there's some areas that has more than others, but that seems to be the case of literally every city at this point. So it's like unavoidable. So, um, but I didn't really notice it in most places and it was, uh, it was pretty great. So yeah, Seattle, very cool. The convention was great. Um, and yeah, I don't, don't really want to, don't really have too much else to say than that. Yeah. Just, uh, just yeah, I've heard good, good thing, time. So, yeah, that's yeah. cool. It's good to hear. So, yeah, I will, I will do, do the, the same time. at some point. Yeah. So, right on. Well, let's, uh, we could pivot here and start, uh, start talking about some of these more hard topics that we want to discuss. We're going to bring a little bit the last heads three up. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Look, heads up. We're gonna we're gonna be getting deep, all right. When people, when I tell people I do a podcast, they're like, "Well, what's it about?" And I was like, "Well, I work in games. John works in movies. So we talk about whatever the hell we want." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> talk about so we talk about random shit for about an hour, and then we actually talk about games and movies. But now we're gonna talk about games and movies uh, because there's some interesting stuff going on with some games and movies. So I'll leave it to you because you want to talk about this stuff. Where do you want to start? Yes. So I'm gonna send you this article, all right? And
1: it's something that's interesting because we were talking about games and you were specifically talking about Metacritic. And I remember the times that we've talked about how people, the metrics of measuring a game's success, right? And a lot of times that is sort of the Metacritic score of sort of aggregate viewing and a bunch of different, let's say, credible, historically credible sources playing your game, reviewing your game. And what that means to the overall score like i think i remember at some point and again maybe this is the more predatory side of the business but developers getting paid based on you know getting bonuses and percentage cuts and things based on metacritic scores is that true or is that something i'm making up
0: that it's a case-by-case basis there's no like overarching um rule right yeah like that came out that whole thing about a metacritic score giving a base like bonuses based on metacritic that was for a very specific game. I don't remember which one, but they it came up because it missed it by like one point. Um, that's not really a standard practice at this point. And Metacritic's weird, right? Um, to your point, it, it isn't a metric of success to an extent. Yeah. It is a it is a certain quality metric, but at the end of the day, a company has more interest in the bottom line sales. And as there's more and more shift from traditional media to influencers. And I would include things like gaming podcasts into that as well, and YouTube right. channels and that kind of stuff. That's that's where the focus is. That stuff rarely gets into Metacritic. And the other thing is, Metacritic divides by consoles, so mm-hmm. you can have okay. so dependent. You could theoretically have like four different Metacritic scores, if right. not okay. more, Makes sense. because of the different platforms. It depends on where somebody sure. will review. Because someone Open can be Critic, like, "Oh, the yeah.
1: PC game is a buggy nightmare, but the
0: Xbox version is great." Yeah, I think when theory, when the yeah. the honestly it's like people will review there's so much content and people will review titles more so that have that already have pre-built anticipation, or it's coming from something like um like an EA. So um, you know, most recently a game called Immortals of Avium came out from EA. This is the one that's like nobody cared about this game ea tried really hard to make it happen to an extent but no matter how much they tried to push through in traditional media and maybe even with preview events with influencers it this thing had to have been one of the biggest bombs they've ever produced from a um from an actual like financial perspective i'm actually really looking forward to playing this game once i i'll talk about final fantasy later but once that's, that's gonna be the next game i play because that's my type of game the reviews were middling about a seven I don't think now. Maybe if the game wasn't a good game, and it was instead a great game, then reviews like that could have taken over an edge and caused people to turn and look. But because right. it was a seven in a sea of eights and nines, people were like, "Eh, whatever." Right? Like, I'm right. still playing Starfield. I'm still playing. I'm playing Baldur's Gate. I'm playing right. other stuff. Whatever that's, that's other. I'm playing reviewed. Diablo yeah. Four, uh, Armored Core. Like whatever is the big game that's coming out, but. They will, despite the lack of interest, we'll say from the community, people will still pick up that review because it's coming from EA. Now, games like Dave the Diver is an interesting one because when that game's first coming out, no one's really, none of the main press are reviewing it, but it's slowly building steam in the background. And then all of a sudden, enough people are looking to it where a website will pick it up and review it. So then you might get a review later. Um Anyway, that's just a little bit of uh, so yeah, there might have been a, some rambling and a, a in there, little but bit of a game sense. detour.
1: But I'll steer it back just towards yeah. in film.
0: But film, right? They, film. Oh, I, would I argue. do want. I do also want to point out one yeah. difference between games and film. Right? Mm-hmm. No film will take you more than three hours to consume and review. Yes. So every review for a well, film, well, unless can you're watching always drops Snyder's about the thing. <laughs> at that point, it's not a film. Movie. It's <laughs> that's a that's
1: a mini series at that point. Yeah. So, all right, so the reason why why I asked that, right, because games obviously being a little bit more complicated, like you just said, right, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, games are sometimes hundreds of hours of gameplay, which someone has to quickly play through as much as they can to give an accurate review, where, like you said, a film, you can watch a film for an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, and review it. And the site to go to for films has always been Rotten Tomatoes. And Rotten Tomatoes specifically is very similar to Metacritic, similar in the fact of it's an aggregate review site, you get a bunch of reviews, and you come up with a general score of people say generally this movie, and they called it fresh or rotten in the tomatoes thing, right? There was a tomato meter that said based on you know, people's ratings, we're saying this is a 60% or 70% or whatever the percentage is, right? So I'm going to read this from, I sent you two articles. I sent you an IGN article, which is a summary, but then I'm going to read the actual, the first part of the Vulture article. So Art Vulture did this, a bit of an expose, and they said the the decomposition of Rotten Tomatoes, the most overrated metric in movies, is erratic, reductive, and easily hacked, and yet has Hollywood in its grip. In 2018, a movie publicity company called Bunker 15 took on a new project, Ophelia, a feminist retelling of Hamlet starring Daisy Ridley. If you don't know who Daisy Ridley is, she was in all the new Star Wars stuff um, as a, a gifted Young what's
0: a what's a feminist retelling of Hamlet? I guess I don't know what the original <laughs> ha- telling of
1: Hamlet is to begin with. So I'm the wrong person <laughs> to ask of I guess was it Ophello? I don't again, I don't know. I don't know
0: Shakespeare. Um. No, so, Hamlet and Othello are two different things. Again, I don't know, so I'm just saying it's. <laughs> well, it's, why would what, what Hamlet the be Othello? Matter. That's like saying is, that's like saying it's Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet. No, it doesn't matter. Different it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Stop getting stuck on well, the what is, ha- thing. is Hamlet? Is Hamlet <laughs> Con Air? No, also a different thing. <laughs> Hamlet in as Conair would be amazing. Now is Othello <laughs> O? Well, yes. O is a yeah. retelling of Othello, but with I don't the, know what.
1: Ophelia, but I'm assuming Julia Ophelia Styles is some other guy. But I'm assuming Ophelia is a character in Hamlet,
0: right? Maybe. Right? I'm, I'm assuming looking, yes. so. I, I don't yeah, know anything it's about Polonius is it's Polonius' daughter, and I know that because I'm looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> you, you are
1: reading something from Wikipedia. Yes, I, I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, let me continue. Carry on, sorry. <laughs> Critics who had seen early screenings had published 13 reviews, seven of them negative, which translated to a score of forty percent, 46% on the all-important aggregated site Rotten Tomatoes, a disappointing outcome for a film with prestige aspirations and no domestic distributor. But just because the tomato meter says the title is rotten, scoring below 60%, it doesn't need to stay that way. Bunker, Bunker 15 went to work. While most PR film companies aim to get the attention of critics from top publications, Bunker 15 takes a more bottom up approach, recruiting obscure, often self published critics who are nev- nevertheless part of the pool tracked by Rotten Tomatoes. In another break from standard practice, several critics say, Bunker 15 pays them $50 or more for each review. So these payments are not typically disclosed, and Rotten Tomatoes says it prohibits reviewing based on financial incentive. In October of that year, an employee of the company emailed a prospective reviewer about Ophelia. It's a Sundance film, and the feeling is that it's been treated a bit harshly by some critics. I'm sure sky-high expectations were the culprit, so the teams involved feel like it would benefit from more input from different critics. More input from different critics is not a very subtle code, and the prospective critic wrote back to ask what would happen if he hated the film. The Bunker 15 employee reti- replied that, the co- that of course, journalists are free to write whatever they like, but, in quotes, the super nice ones, and there are critics like there are more critics like this than I expected, often agreed not to publish bad reviews on their usual websites, but instead quarantined them on a smaller blog that Rotten Tomatoes never sees. I think it's a very cool thing to do. End quote. If done right, the trick would help to ensure that Rotten Tomatoes log positive reviews, but not the negative ones. So between October 2018 and January 2019, Rotten Tomatoes added eight reviews to Ophelia's score. Seven were favorable. And most came from critics who have reviewed at least one other Bunker 15 movie. The writer of a negative review says that Bunker 15 lobbied them to change it. If the critic wanted to give it a barely overall positive, then I do know the editors at Rotten Tomatoes and can get that switched, a Bunker 15 employee wrote. I also discovered other negative review of Ophelia from this period that was not counted by Rotten Tomatoes by a writer whose positive reviews of other Bunker 15 films have been recorded by the aggregator. Ophelia climbed to the tomato meter to 62%, flipping the rotten to fresh. The next month, the distributor IFC Films announced that it had acquired Ophelia for release in the U.S. So basically, this story, and again, it's a lot longer. There's a lot more people. You should read this article. It's from Vulture. If you just type in Rotten Tomatoes Vulture, this will come up. Um, Basically talking about how films and sort of distribution for films like this are heavily driven by Rotten Tomatoes. The same way that then that's why I asked the Metacritic question, because I know sometimes Metacritic can sort of change whether or not a development studio gets another game or whether or not, you know, a series continues. And Rotten Tomatoes is the same site to do that for film. But obviously, this article sort of exposes how easy it is to actually manipulate those scores so i'm I'm interested in your thoughts you, you gave it a little bit with games but i'm interested in your thoughts here knowing that we have also looked at rotten tomatoes when reviewing films and things mm-hmm. and does it change your opinion of that or, or have you kind of always thought oh rotten tomatoes is just an aggregate i don't i don't let it judge whether or not a movie should be good or not
0: i don't think there's anything wrong no i'm just kidding um <laughs> my <laughs> I think this is just capitalism at work, and if you don't like the system, <laughs> then you should just something something um no, I think let's see it kind of goes back it starts I'd said it a little bit before, but the the relevance of mainstream press has diminished hmm. um and I think part of that is a result of trust now you could map that statement to literally anything in the world at this point for better or worse, right? I'd say worse in far as people don't believe the news and they find their own sources, right? That's when you start getting into more political problems. But in the term of media problems, it's most problematic because critics don't align with the interest of everyday people. And that I think is at the heart of why trust is lost because a critical review for a fast and furious movie is never going to be in line with yes, what the absolutely. person who wants to see a fast and furious movie is going to be Right. right. That is the biggest problem. So then in the, so when it comes to the reviews on, Rotten Tomatoes, and you're talking about critics who are actual film people. Like what? To what benefit? That is that is serving like more and more diminishing returns. So people will look for validation, and I think generally speaking, it aligns with what I was saying before about interest. Right? Mm-hmm. Is there interest, and then that is going to confirm or deny their existing interest. If you're if you're looking to see a Transformers movie, right? Mm-hmm. No review is going to tell you whether or not. You should see that Transformers or movie, Transformer movie or not, you're just going to see it because you want to see giant robots do. Sure, know, punch right, some things. Yeah. Now, if you're talking about a movie like Ophelia, <laughs> that is where things become a little more interesting because that is more of a critics type of movie. But if you're talking about telling a a feminist version of Hamlet. I don't know what that is. Somebody might know what that is, and then that's something that'll be interesting to them. They are looking specifically for that kind of artsy stuff. And then at that point, I would say, again, the critical score does not matter because you have the people that get it and the people that don't, and it just becomes like any other art form. Like, paintings don't have a score, right? No one's walking up to the Mona Lisa and being like, "Eh, it's like an (laughs) 8.6. (laughs) <laughs> like right. That would be a pretty fun exercise, though. You go around an art museum and just like yeah. judge everything. It's and like you yeah, judge this it like a four. Right. Yeah, I give this like a six. Like all of the artists objective Everybody will like something. It's the same thing with music. Music has scores, which is crazy, um, which could be useful. I think it's useful as a general metric of like this is, you know, this this could be something I I like. This is something I don't. Oh, general consensus. I, I would say when you look at. Ron, tomato score. You would look at this percentage of people who actually give a shit about film like the movie, and then I could go in, and then that adjusts the risk level of whether or not I'll like it. But that will also go against the bias. Like I would literally go to a movie knowing that it's a bad movie, sure, absolutely, but knowing that it's a movie that I will enjoy. Yeah, no matter what score Fast Ten got, I was going to see Fast Ten anyways. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: And look, I, I think it's interesting because the rest of this article does sort of talk to filmmakers. And I'll just read one real quick part because I think this is you, – you made a lot of good points there that I agree with. Um, so, but to read this part, to filmmakers across the taste spectrum, Rotten Tomatoes is a scourge. Martin Scorsese says it reduces the director to a content manufacturer and the viewer to an unadventurous consumer. Brett Ratner called it the destruction of our business. But insiders acknowledge it is, is that it has become a crucial arbiter. Publicists say their jobs revolve around the site. In the last oh. 10 years, says one, it's become much more important as so many of the trusted critics have retired without replacements. Studios are so scared of what the tomato meter might say that some work with a company called Screen Engine slash ASI, which attempts to forecast scores. So what you said, I think, is exactly right, because the other thing that, that we haven't said is that Rotten Tomatoes specifically has sort of a critic score. And then it has the audience score. And so it kind of has both, right? Like, I would say the critic score, and those are people that are inside of this sphere of influence of Hollywood, right? Because a lot of it is, well, if the right people review your thing. Like, I mean, back in the day, Siskel and Ebert had a whole television show, and and I'd argue that they could totally swing your movie. There's actually something in here that says, once upon a time, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert turned the no-budget documentary Hoop Dreams into a phenomenon using only their thumbs back in the day when media was more credible whether or not you agree with that sentence of what, what what credible means to you right it means different things to different people but back in the day when you used to pick up a newspaper or you used to read the times or read the you know the chicago tribune i think that's the name of the paper the detroit free press any any newspaper you can name and you go to the movie critics section it was the same generally the same one or two people giving you a review of a film And I think people found the reviewers that generally said, well, if this person reviews a movie, I think my tastes align with them, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And says, okay, I don't agree with every reviewer, but if Roger Roger Ebert and Gene Sisko review in a movie, everything that they review generally aligns with my sensibilities, so I will read their review and decide if I go see this movie or not. Mm -hmm. But as this article says, as newspapers die, as traditional media fades away who are the people that you trust for reviewing a movie today? I, I can't name one. I can't name one for a game. I think yes. it's, well, that's it's so many different this, people, right? Right. And so I, I think the... that's a big part of it.
0: Yeah. No this is where you get away from the traditional media and into the influencer media that I was yes, talking about it's earlier. crowdsourcing. Like that right? is,
1: it's the it's, crowd no, it's not, deciding. It's not, no, it is. It's though. not crowdsourcing. It's, but it's crowdsourcing it the review. For example, Fast and the Furious, if you go right now to Rotten Tomatoes, the last Fast and the Furious movie, I bet you the critic score and the audience score are wildly different. And I'd argue sure. Fast and Furious when you're trying to sell that franchise or you're trying to sell the marketing budget to a studio who goes, yeah, 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 we know everyone loves Fast and Furious, but why should we give you $100 million over $60 million?" And the first thing you're going to do is, well, go to the audience score. Don't, don't worry about what the critics say. Look at what everyone who watches this movie who loves the franchise says. So that is crowdsourcing. It's less so but that's quote-unquote not... experts. It's less people who make their living watching movies and dissecting them and knowing camera angles and knowing lighters and directors and cinematographers. Those people don't matter when, if there's enough of a crowd who wants, I mean, Deadpool got made due to crowdsourcing because they released that, they released that thing on YouTube, the the short, and people went nuts for it. And that's what they used to fund
0: the movie. It had nothing to do with critics. If it was up to critics, Deadpool wouldn't would have never been made. But that's that's partly true. I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I said by influencers, I'm talking about actual like YouTubers, podcast networks. These are the people who are not on Rotten Tomatoes who are reviewing the things that have massive audiences. You know how many people that have audiences in the millions and tens of millions that you've never heard of? One hundred percent. Yes. So absolutely. many. Those are the people that are driving opinions now, not the ones that appear on Rotten Tomatoes. Here's a great example. I was I I, I listen to a lot of kind of funny content, um, and they do this series called In Review, right? And what they do is they they start it with Marvel review. They review movie by movie by movie. They do whole plot breakdowns, and they say this is the you know this, um, and they rank them and they say you know and they and they categorize them in a whole series. They've been doing this for years now, and they just started doing Saw. I will never watch a Saw movie, right? That's that much <laughs> is not, I'm never going to watch a saying. Saw movie. Just not going to do it, right? Um, But they I've been listening to this because I can listen to people talk about Saw. I just don't want to watch Saw. Like, I like hearing about these plots of these movies, but I have no interest in actually watching it. But these guys, basically, I've I've listened to Saw 2 at this point. They've gotten up to a lot, but I'm only on their Saw 2 review. And they basically were talking about how great Saw 2 is and how it's like an incredible sequel to the first movie. And they were like, this is one of the best sequels ever. What is it on? And and there and so that in my mind implants the idea that hey, this is a great sequel to a movie because these guys said it, they're fan, they understand it, and I've heard all their other opinions on movies, and I align most of the time, and so I assume that that's a good movie. Look at the rotten I, tomato I, score, thirty seven percent on rotten. Yeah, tomatoes but see, Saw I would two. still, I would still disagree with you.
1: Look at that, look at that rotten tomato score, right? Like, uh-huh. sure, well, I think what you're saying is correct as far as podcasters, and it's a different type of media that isn't on rotten tomatoes. Look at, the, look at the verified ratings and reviews between the audience score and the tomato meter. Yes. The tomato I, meter. But, I, I'm just looking at fast nine, right? Fast nine and fast 10. The, the review is almost the same. It's maybe skewed a little bit differently towards like, it's maybe a little bit wider between audience and critics, but the tomato meter at 315 reviews, the audience score 5,000 plus. It's so big they don't even – it could be 10,000. It just says 5,000 plus verified ratings. (laughs) Fast X, same thing, right? And Fast Fast 9, 59% from critics, 82% from the audience. Fast 10, 310 official reviews at 56%, 5,000 reviews at 85%. So when I say crowds – like, yes, I think podcasters and that media are – and YouTubers that we don't even know of are very influential – I'd, I'd argue it's it's even more than that. It's the random guy on Twitter, X, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And you can say, though, I mean, I don't think you need a million views. I, I think you could have a couple of thousand followers, and over time, that builds into a bigger thing. But again, I don't even think, I think you need, uh, you know, if you have 10,000 followers, Enough people with 10,000 followers who say, hey, this movie is a cult classic. I saw this thing and it was great can totally swing how many people see your movie these days. I think it's that and I think good marketing and advertising specifically like I'll talk about it, but Barbie, right? I mean, how many articles that I read about Barbie is a it's a, it's a marketing master class and how to market a film. The mm-hmm. marketing for that film was genius of six months to make it, the, the, if not the highest grossing movie this year, at least number two of films this year. I think Megan earlier in the year, that horror movie, total marketing. I think a lot of it is more marketing and who you can get. They don't need a million viewers. They don't need to be writing for the New York Times anymore. I think even that scope is too wide. Like, yeah, you said you're, the podcast that you listen to, how many how many listeners do they have? It's it's I'm arguing it's not even a million. I'm arguing it's a drop in a bucket. No,
0: no, no. It's like probably tens of thousands, but they're just one yeah. of, that's just an example. Yeah, because that's one of a, thousands of people small, making a podcast, us included. <laughs> but that's a small, that's just a small um, podcast network. I'm talking about the real influencers, not that they're not a real influencer, but they have an audience and that audience engaged. So you might have an article that goes online and gets literally like 50 million impressions, but might drive like a 0.01 engagement return, right? Whereas you have these guys who might have more. Then Who might just have an audience of, let's just call it 100,000, just for the sake of um, argument here, but they actually have a 10% engagement. They have a ten percent um, return because they they are more trusting with their audience. It's not just like oh, this is just another article. It's like no, no. If they endorse something, then I need to act and on this thing and see it yeah. because they it, said so. And these, it's like it's like if your friend tells you to do something versus if just if you just read about it, you know. Yeah, it's the, a big the, difference.
1: the thing that's interesting though that you did bring up when you for when I first asked you sort of your feelings about this. That the other part I want to get to is that I think there is a difference in what your media is, right? Because you made a point of there's one thing about o- Ophelia, feminist, you know, adaptation of Hamlet versus Fast, Fast and the Furious, right? One is more marketing, big name stars, and not that D- Daisy Ridley isn't a big name star, but she's not, she's not Vin Diesel, she's not Jason Momoa, she's not Charlize Theron, she's not, you know, she's not at that level, I'd say maybe she's a little under that level, and some of that's just age, some of that's just franchise, right? It's no knock on her, it's just the Fast and Furious movie has ten ten of them, and she was in a Star Wars trilogy that is now trying to break out into more for lack of a better term, artistic filmmaking right? Or at least has been pulled into that world by someone that says hey, this is good for your career because it's doing something more traditional something more historically relevant versus Star Wars stuff Right, someone can sell her on that. Whether it's true or not is up for your own interpretation. But I think there is a difference because I I think while there is sort of this massive push away from traditional media and what a quote-unquote expert is, right, that's across like you said everything. We we question doctors, we question people with medical degrees, we question physicists. We're questioning people over climate change, right? Like we're we question experts as a as an overall global community more than we ever have. But there is this section of, like you said, the people who do go and rate the Mona Lisa a 7.3 because some of the brushstrokes aren't as clean as other paintings, right? Those people do exist. And how do those people make money or get funding to continue to make films? And I'd argue it is going down the more traditional route. It's latching on to those specific critics or to the more smaller tight knit community who goes, this isn't fast X star Wars, you know, common man nonsense. We're remaking Hamlet as a feminist tale. And I want the 5,000 most important people in the world to see this versus tens of millions of masses because my aspirations are different. And I think that is where this does matter to find that that is just as bought and paid for, as anything at a larger scale can be bought and paid for. It's just at a much smaller scale. And it shows kind of how this this world of, well, no, this is where the real art happens. No, no, no. Ignore the Avatar and the Marvel stuff. Come over here where we're watching Hamlets and we're watching indie films, right? Like that air of sort of, I would argue gaming has some of that as well, right? Where it's like, well, it's not the Fortnites and the Call of Duties and the Maddens, We're over here playing this indie game by a small studio with 10 people, right? This is real gaming versus, you know, whether or not that's true or not, I'm sure you have come across a lot of people who talk like that at least, and they judge how some of these smaller, independent, more artistically crafted and created things are judged. And seeing that that is just as manipulated as everything else, I would say that's that's being naive on the behalf of those people in that world. But also, it's very interesting of how it doesn't really matter. The way you get funding is all publicity, marketing, advertisement shifted, hand wrung. Who do you know? Who don't you know? Regardless of whether or not you're making a fast X or whether or not you're making a feminist Hamlet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well,
1: it's I, interesting I because, yeah. it was, uh, because I, I wonder if games has the similar, like, again, like one thing we'll talk about next is sort of independent gaming and how that, you know, independent game development and how there is kind of the, there's a triple A studio with 5,000 people. And then there's, you know, there's, I, I think of the the developer of Hades and Bastion, the games that we talk about, it's 20 people. Mm-hmm. And yep. you look at those games and go, well, these games are crafted in a way that really shows detail. And there's only 20 people. Look how amazing this is versus big bad EA with their Madden refresh every year. Like That has to exist somewhat of where there is sort of this purity experience in parts of gaming, parts of film that I'd argue is just as tainted as the
0: big bad blockbuster that those people will turn their nose up at. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Like the, a lot of these games, you just never know. Like how one guy can pick it up. Like all of a sudden, Donkey, a uh, video game Donkey, decides to talk about your game. Then it becomes yeah. a, it becomes an amazing uh, success immediately. Right. Like you, you can't. No marketing could plan for that. Right. Like nobody can actually make that call. But yes, there's certain things that will give you that leg up. There is, there is benefit to having contacts into that mass media. Um, to your point. I mean, that's one way if you don't have the inroads to get into certain influencers, because they also pride themselves on being authentic and real. Like the moment that they lose that authenticity of being relatable, or someone that is trustworthy because they're taking handouts from, uh, you know, from big publishers or big studios or whatever it is, because and they feel like their opinions being compromised, and they're not trustworthy. Well, that's when people walk away. So you have to be careful. So, you know, they they have to have that honesty. And they don't want to appear to be sellouts. So occasionally they'll go yeah. into those smaller things and
1: you never yeah, know. It's just interesting yeah. how, like, it's almost completely opposite of how you would market things versus if it's a small thing versus a large thing. If, mm-hmm. It's almost like exactly the opposite. Like, if it's a large thing, you want mass. I mean, how much did I hear about Avatar being, who cares about Avatar anymore? Who even watches this stuff? Right? And then it comes out and it's the fourth highest grossing movie of all time. So it's very like it's almost the opposite versus the the people who consider themselves. I've got good taste in film, spend a lot of time talking about why does James Cameron get to spend billions of dollars on a movie that no one cares about? But then when you see who watches it, it's everybody, right? Everyone goes and watches people who don't spend their time talking about whether or not a movie deserves to have X amount of money. Where it's almost the opposite. If you're the small film, you want those people to really like your thing because then you hope that enough of that gets a few of the people to come and watch it who go, this isn't, this is really dumb. This is dry. This isn't my thing. Why did I watch this? But that it all brings eyes to your thing, right? Whether it's a big, big thing or a small thing. You know, you yep. just want to increase those viewership. So how do you do it? So yeah. Anyways, I found this interesting just because I think a lot of people would be surprised. I'm sure there's probably still people who listen to this podcast who go, I, I go to Rotten Tomatoes, and you know that tells me whether or not I should see something that I know nothing about. Right? Like you said, I think if you know about it, you're gonna see it anyways. If you see a trailer and you like it, cool. But there's plenty of movies, and myself included, right? Go, I've never heard of this before. I'm gonna go to Rotten Tomatoes to go look at the score quickly. And it won't stop me whether or not I watch it or not, but it will cloud how much I think, okay, this is one of these like the Denzel Macbeth movie. I didn't make it through 20 minutes of that. And that thing <laughs> was I think that thing was highly rated. I don't actually know. But like I'm just like, that's the that's the type of thing where I go, this is not a movie for someone who goes, I want to watch Denzel Washington be the the you know the retired assassin that he is in the the movies that that have just come up the last you know couple of weeks versus watching him beat Macbeth <laughs> right like it's just it's a different it's a different it's a different audience different different person that they're targeting for these movies yeah so yeah anyways equalizer is what mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the equalizer th- th- you know the third the next equalizer equalizer three actually has a pretty good rating but then the tragedy of Macbeth in 2021 is 92 percent versus Equalizer, which has 75 percent. From critics. And I'm going, ninety two percent of critics like this movie? Really? I found this thing really slow and dry, but again, it's a different, you know, two hundred and eighty-six reviews versus the three hundred and ten from Fast and the Furious. Has a good audience score, the tragedy of Macbeth. It's got seventy five percent. But then if you go to yeah. the equalizer, seventy five percent um, you know, reviewer score, ninety four percent audience. So you go to the yeah. audience, the audience rather watch Denzel be the equalizer than watch him be <laughs> Macbeth. And I'd argue that's how most people feel, right? But there's a small section of people who are going to go, I don't care about watching Denzel walk around and be John Wick. I want to watch him
0: act. I want to watch him be Macbeth. And yeah and, just, sometimes, yeah, and sometimes both are wrong, right? I'm looking at the reviews yes. of Aquaman. 66% yeah. from uh, critics, 72% on audience. We both know it deserves 100. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Sometimes, sometimes yeah. everybody's wrong. So yeah, versus things like The Flash, right? I remember when the latest Flash movie came out.
1: At first, it had a really high Rotten Tomatoes score. And people, you know, who was it? What was, what's his name? Was it James Gunn that came out and said, this is the best Flash movie I've ever, you know, this is the best DC movie I've seen in the last X amount of years. Mm-hmm. And, they, and again, yeah. the, the, the the review scores are favorable, but I'm like, man, how much of that was just, you get the right critics to review your thing at first, you bring enough people in, and then you let the reviews do what they do. Because that point, even that- you hit your number.
0: And even that wasn't enough because the Flash did not perform as it should. No, it did. No. Because people at this point, they've decided they're done with DC, with the yes. DCU. Yes. Right? Until unless, James Gunn unless it unless it's the fixed, yeah, yeah, unless it's something that is so, yeah, unless it's like something like uh, what was it, Suicide, the new Suicide Squad, right? I think that will right, perform with, with Idris Elba, right? Yeah, or the um, or the Batman with uh, yeah. with, with Robert uh, Pattinson, Twilight dude. <laughs> Yeah, that movie's so good. That movie's so good. I watched a little it's more good. of that. It's, um, it's, again. it's long, it's, but it's good. I, I, I loved it. enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I it legit, good. I I legit love that movie. But you know, these are the exceptions to the rules, and people will watch a trailer for a movie now and all of a sudden decide, "Yep, that's for me. That's not for me." And these art house things that get crazy high reviews. It doesn't really matter. Like that's the stuff that you're gonna give high reviews, but you're but you're not gonna give a nod towards the Equalizer. Guess what? I like seeing Denzel shoot people. I don't yeah. want to see people crying for an hour. That doesn't sound as good. Yeah, so, you but know, again, I, I think
1: I think there are people, and I would say we're probably, and I'm probably more guilty of this than you are. But yeah, I consider myself in the middle here. I, I'm not just completely give me the candy. Although I love the the candy of the the you know go give me John Wick, give me Equalizer. I, if, if you tell me that something is a much watch because it's interesting, I think of The Menu, for example, mm-hmm. where I would say that it's be, it became more of a big movie, but that kind of starts off of, you know, put it in a film festival, see how it does. It starts off in the more traditional sort of smaller film path that if it's good enough and there's enough people that I respect that tell me to go see it, I'll go watch it. I think a lot of some of the, my favorite movies over the last decade have been through word of mouth, have been people telling me, don't watch a trailer. Don't watch anything. Just watch the movie. It's good. Yeah. And that's more from people that you know than it is some guy that writes for a dying newspaper. And I think that's the difference. As in, you find your, your credible source can be from anybody. It could be your neighbor. It could be a guy from a TV show. It could be a podcast. It could be a Twitter follow. It could be a TikToker. It could be a YouTuber. It could be anybody. And that's, you know, for better or for worse... I, I don't know. That's the democratization of media. But when it's wrong, it's real detrimental where you start getting people that believe stuff that just isn't true. So yeah. I, I think we just used a real interesting time in media, specifically with the writer strike and the stuff that's going on of how do you judge whether or not a movie is successful? Is it just box office? Is it awards? Is it ratings on websites? Is it impressions? And um, what is it? The, the uptick on, on Twitter and YouTube and some of those things? I, I don't know.
0: I, I don't, the how sad, would you judge the sad that? Reality, the sad reality? It's dollars. It, is, it's it is dollars followed by any regret. If they are dollars spent, that's success metric number one. And then the next... The, first of all, it's dollars because the first thing you're measuring is success of that product. Right. And that's dollars. It's only dollars because which, everything which is, else which is influences. super depressing as you say it. But right? it's the truth. But it's but, the but, truth but because it, but if something, de- but it's something not not to an extent know? to an extent. Yeah. Because if the people are satisfied and they got what they wanted and it continues to grow that in that those big dollars assumes that that's the result of a good product. Look at something like, um, you know, one of the one of the most interesting box office stories in recent memory was The Greatest Showman. Which you love. I know you've seen it by now, right? Of course you have. You've definitely seen the Greatest Showman starring uh recent uh new newly <laughs> newly single Broadway Hugh, right? So that is that was a movie that started eighty six percent on
1: Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Eighty-six percent by the audience. But continue. Okay.
0: Let's let's look at the I'm gonna go to Greatest Showman, uh, Box Office Mojo. Because the the week to week box office mojo is crazy it's wild like they have uh okay let's see domestic weekly it's just strange opening weekend how much do you think it made opening weekend oh i'm mm-hmm. assuming not a lot it opened december 15th so this is for the week of the 15th to the 21st In what 2017 is when this movie came out i'm guessing 2017 yeah 2017 i mean uh-huh.
1: I'm, let's say 10 million 4.5 oh
0: wow million Okay. You want to now tell me what do you think it was the next week, December twenty second to December twenty eighth? I'm assuming it went up because I'm assuming By the the way, first week, especially around Christmas time, right? I'm gonna give you so, I'm gonna give you some yeah. other stats here. Theaters, first week, three thousand six. Next week, same number of theaters, three thousand six. And I'm just guessing, again, I'm I'm totally making assumptions mm-hmm. here.
1: If it came out the fifteenth of December, give it mm-hmm. Christmas week. All the all the Jewish people who get Chinese food and watch movies on Christmas Day.
0: That's right. A lot of us. Uh, this is what I saw. Assuming, I'm assuming it then
1: went up to 10 million.
0: Mm-hmm. 28.9 million. Jesus. Yeah, so that's a
1: huge jump. Yeah. Next weekend, you want to guess? I'm assuming word of mouth by
0: then, I'm going to put it at 30, 30 million? 29.5. Okay, yeah. Next weekend. Now I'm just going to run through it. And it yeah, was in more theaters. Back. It was. It somehow went to more theaters. The week, the third week out, it went from 3,006 to 3,316 next weekend, went up another 30 theaters and it made another 19 million, then 19 million again, then 14 million, then 12 million, then 10 million. That's starting at a five at a 4.5 million opening, which is horrendous. Bad. It is for awful. It. it was on a budget of 84 million. That was the budget. So when that released to five thousand five million dollars, it's a failure. You think right? anybody's looking at that and they're like, "Oh no, this movie failed." Fuck
1: yeah. You know what the
0: final the final box office gross when it was done. This is just domestic one hundred seventy four million dollars. Yeah, Doubled double money. <laughs> okay, so that's where I'm saying the dollars are actually they're not. they don't always paint a grim. Uh, create a grim state. Low dollars can create a grim state because it's like, wow, it sucks that something this good did so shitty. But most of the time, things that earn this kind of revenue are earning it because of the quality that's there. Now, maybe it's not the critical quality because critics have different perception to this point of The Greatest Showman. People love The Greatest Showman. I like this movie. It's decent it's pretty good music is it like really lame lyrics oh yeah is it super cheesy absolutely does it warp the uh the history of a very flawed character in history oh a thousand percent but who gives a shit by the time he's dancing around and singing with uh with what's his name and who's her face it's uh, it doesn't really matter because you're having a great time you know the dances you're, you're having fun with the little guy and the bearded lady and it's a good time now you look at something like um so all those things, same thing with the Transformers example. People see those movies, they make money because people are getting what they want out of Transformers.
1: But I, but I would argue, though, the only thing that I would rebuke with that, of your very mm. capitalist take of money dictates what's good and what's not. That's not what I said. <laughs> so what did you say then?
0: Well, I'm saying it can. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm not I'm saying it does. I'm saying it It can dictate what's good or
1: not. Yes. How, but how much of this do you actually, and again, this is going to segue into the next thing we're going to talk about. Yeah. Of how much do you, because I would say some of this is as you make products, right? A lot of things that go to subscription models, a lot of things that go to, like, how do you judge your success as a business? how much of that is driven by the way that it's marketed as in you can make you, I would say a lot of Dwayne Johnson's movies. If I was on, if I was on his financial team, I'd go, we got the first two weeks to make a killing. He's going to market the heck out of this thing. He's going to be on Instagram. He's going to be on Facebook. He's going to be on Twitter. He's going to be, he's going to get out there and smile and make this movie hit. We got two weeks. Give me a two week window. Cause after that, no one's going to watch this thing. It's going to fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. But two solid weeks of Dwayne Johnson, if the movie costs $60 million, give me two weeks of 60000000 million, I'm money. I'm good. It's a success. But that doesn't mean that it's good. That's a marketing. That's how you market the movie. Some movies are marketed going, well, let's get it out there for the first week, and then we'll hit them really hard the next week with more ads, more things. Like, Is that really – I would just say this is how people get – and manipulated it's a bad word, but it's how they get influenced – into the content that they consume, specifically with film. I would argue gaming is a different audience. But with films, I think marketing has a lot to do with how people consume and watch films. And it sort of targeted, I think, the marketing departments of a lot of these. This is why the budget for the marketing often matches the budget of the production and post-production of the film. Like, Mm -hmm. the marketing budget for Avatar was the same exact budget of what it took to make the movie because marketing was that important. To put it on every freaking super bowl football commercial and hit it hard for christmas time it's why movies come out when they come out i don't think it has anything to do with how good the movie is i really don't i think it has to do with the marketing of the movie when can you market it how do you market it who are you targeting and i would say what dictates a movie being good is the long-term system sustain- or not even good just culturally relevant sometimes like black panther is a perfect example that is not a perfect movie that movie had a very long, sustainable runtime of making money because it mm-hmm. became culturally significant. Right. And the movie was fine. Is it the best movie out of all the Marvel movies? No. But it was able to consistently and long and have the longevity to keep running because of how it was marketed. So that that would be my rebuttal to this of like, yeah, that movie, I would say that's probably again what did I say when I was trying to come up with the numbers? Christmas time marketing. The first week before Christmas, okay, n- not as many people, but Christmas week. Oh, we're hitting it hard. I bet you there were more commercials. I bet you there was more marketing budget for the greatest showman between Christmas and New Year's than there was any other time that
0: in that movie's release. With with rare exceptions, most movies don't make all of their money back. In no, the that's first what Hollywood weekend. tells you. That's what so
1: that's, that's why we're striking, not we, no. but that's why we in the collective <laughs> no, we but, uh,
0: is striking because Hollywood's lying to you. They do make, well, what I'm, sh- back. what I'm trying <laughs> to say is this, is that that word of mouth, that trajectory at the end is they anticipate, you know, that 50% drop to week two and then et cetera, et cetera. So my point about the dollars is more based on that model. What keeps you afloat and with a long tail and what will keep you or what will sink you faster. That's been the problem with a lot of these DC movies. People go to the DC movies. Everybody shows up the first weekend. And then the next weekend, they're like, no, that ain't it. And then the next time that happens, the movie comes out. More and more people Fall are off. already yeah. dissuaded where they see another one. They're like, no, we're done. This thing's ending. So that top ceiling in the first one is low. And unless your movie's great, you're just getting a bigger dip. Your point about The Rock, I looked up The Rock's numbers For um, for some of his movies. And, you know, that's not a silver bullet. Like it's it's not not. like Hercules. I'm looking at that. I actually really enjoy that movie. Um, Actually, (laughs) actually, you mentioned Brett Ratner earlier. I mean, that movie is actually a lot of fun. But um, that had a hundred million dollar production budget. Yeah, it only made seventy two million dollars, you know, He's He's been in some small stuff. He's not a silver bullet. That is only one piece of marketing. You still have to deliver a good movie to get that tail. Yeah. You will get the fans in that initial pop. But if your movie's not good to have those people evangelize the film afterwards, it's not going to work. So you have to have that. Um, so, you know, you, you have to have that long tail. Yeah. And and, and um, honestly, for, for the movies the
1: that are really good, I think a lot of people don't realize this. I realize this for Avatar is repeat viewers. Mm hmm. Right. Like, yeah, a t- movie absolutely. ticket's a movie ticket, and a lot of Avatar was this was not the people that see it once. It's the people that go back and see it two, three, four, five times. And you're like, who the heck is watching this movie five times? It's different groups of people. It's, hey, I'll go with you. It's different screens. It's the cinematic experience of watching a big film like that. And there's, I mean, Barbie, I would say, is very similar, right? People see it once. Someone else goes, oh, I want to watch Barbie. And you go, I'll go with you. I loved it. I'll go again. Because I want to see things that I missed, right? So there is that hardcore element of multiple viewers as well for the big, big movies that I know that they put into their metrics of, you know, like Christopher Nolan did. I mean, The Dark Knight, I would argue how many people saw that movie multiple times after the first time you see it and you go, whoa, that was nuts. I wasn't able to digest it. I'm seeing it
0: again. Yep. Right? How many people endgame. saw Same in game,
1: in game, or even Infinity War, right? I think more people saw Infinity War multiple times because you're just like, I can't believe what happened. Right? Like everything came together in a way that was for like culturally relevant to me that I have a group of I tell everyone, We gotta go see this movie. You gotta see it. And then you're like, can I come? I want to watch it again with you, right? That's a big part of filmmaking, where with with games and how many people come back to games and things is a little different. And I just bring that up because I do want to segue into the Unity stuff because I think it's it's similar but different in a way from more of a technology side than it is an actual consumer viewer side, right? It's more about the people who make the games and the content than the people who view it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so go for it. I, I'm I. This is something that it has taken over my my media consumption over the last week because I find it so interesting of a discussion from someone who uses software and technology to create content, which is what Unity is. But yeah, I'll let you explain this. This is your territory.
0: Yeah, so, all right. Let's see. Well, the other thing is to keep in mind, anything we talk about is subject to change, because the last word on this is Unity's like, we're listening, we're going to come back with some updates. And they said they're going to on Sunday night, they said, we'll know in the coming days, we're recording this on Wednesday night, and we still haven't heard anything. And thank God, um, Microsoft just accidentally leaked their next uh, six years, because I'm sure Unity's like, oh, thank God, no one's talking about us for 24 hours. (laughs) And no lie, that literally happened yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I'm trying to find this thing here. Okay, here we go. All right. A little bit of background first. Video games are made typically on game engines. Okay. Now, game engines, that could be proprietary. That's in the most basic form, right? Someone just builds a game from scratch, and God bless those people. That's not how most <laughs> games are made these days. Most yeah. games these days are made in engines, pre-established engines um, that are distributed to users. Uh, the one that's probably the best marketed of any engine is the Unreal Engine. You see that flashy U before a uh, before any trailer, people are like, "Oh, this is going to be some dope ass shit," right? Um, that was uh, that's created by Epic. That is the backbone of what runs uh, Fortnite. That was originally started around. Uh, I guess Unreal Tournament was probably the first one that used it. Uh, oh no, sorry, Unreal, the original Unreal itself. And then I, I was introduced to playing Unreal Tournament back in the day. Um, but anyway, that powers to a give ton an example of AAA quick. games. Yeah, I was going to say mm-hmm.
1: to give an example for those who aren't game inclined. Right, you've got Microsoft Excel microsoft word right like you can type text in you can make a database yourself and put all these things in a database right you can do that on your own or you can use a software that already has formulas has things in there that help you it won't right you got to put in your own data you got to put in your own images your own things to make it your game but you start with cells you start with a tool that allows for you to do stuff quicker I'd say that's probably it's It's not exactly that, but that's probably the easiest layman's way sure. to put it as in ones you with, you know, creating your own tables with code and with a pen and paper and putting that into the computer and with the database that you write. The other one is, hey, we kind of have most of this stuff for you. If you want to do advanced stuff, you can. But for the most part, if you just want to track spending, you can like it, it's that that's the difference between a game engine versus creating your own.
0: Right. So basically, Unreal is the most marketable one. That's probably the one most people have heard of. The second most popular one that people have heard of, again, just talking Mindshare, is Unity, Unity 3D. When it comes to actual usage, Unity blows Unreal out of the water, and it's yeah. not even close. Why have you heard of this? Well, because why? if you haven't heard of Unity, well, it's probably because their additional fees that you pay to license allows you to remove the fact that it was made in Unity, whereas Unreal's contracts generally result in the opposite. Also, Unreal has a certain cache where Unity does not.
1: But yeah, we're having that Unity is up. used
0: is a good exactly. thing sometimes.
1: In, re- yes. in Unity, sometimes it's not. You want to give the illusion that maybe you did all this stuff with pen and paper yeah. when instead you used the, an engine, you used some help. Yeah,
0: and sometimes, and, and it has like kind of, I, it, there's plenty of times where you'll see people be like, oh no, it's made in Unity, of course, that's why it sucks. It's like, no, that has nothing to do with it. It sucks because the people who made it suck. Or um, just because whatever, it, it wasn't yeah, put together. there's plenty of other reasons why, that's true. You're, yeah. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Um, Unity... Unity powers games like uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, or uh, most uh, mobile games, I'd say, run in Unity. And it's uh, particularly useful because of its widespread in mobile games that will allow it to be used for things like ads, so easy SDKs. So if you're going to have a mobile game, creating it in something like Unreal is a nightmare. And I know this for a fact because I've tried it once, and it's... Pain. Um the moment you want to do something free to play, it should be done in Unity, or you're gonna have a lot more uh, effort to undertake. So, so, so to give people
1: some games that maybe they know, Pokemon Go is made in Unity. Mm-hmm. Right. Um Genshin Impact. Made in, in made in Unity. The the untitled Goose Game <laughs> that kind of had its moment, Unity. Um there's a ton of games. If you just type in games made in unity, Cuphead. this list is yeah, custom is is made long. in unity. Beat saver, long, City Skylines.
0: Yeah. These are tons of games that are the outer wilds. Right. Where, tunic. for
1: example, on Unreal, the most popular game in Unreal is Fortnite.
0: Well, yeah. Right. But you'll also find um, a lot of other games developed in Unreal. Um, <laughs> you know, they, there's a lot of AAA, like Gears of War was built in Unreal, like all the epic yeah. stuff. Un- um,
1: Unreal yeah. Tournament? Right. That's that I was back before. in
0: the day put by, and again,
1: but a lot yeah. of times I would say Unreal is a company that makes games to sell its engine <laughs> because they kind of needed to, in a way. It's sort of uh, where Unity, you could argue, was a bit more of, and I would just say this as an outsider, and maybe you can correct me. I feel like Unity was a lot more of like, this is the engine that's more accessible it's yes, easier for to indies. do things exactly. that maybe you don't get the graphics of an unreal of an unreal you know an, an unreal yep. engine game but it's easier to develop this is if if jason and jonathan want to make a game they're going to use unity use unity because it's easier to use that was the perception whether that's the truth or not but that's how i always looked at it by going unity is a little easier to learn but unreal maybe has some extra sauce in there that's a little more difficult but it'll make your game prettier. And what yes, matters exactly. to you is maybe a little dependent on what's the you know, what are you trying to make? Everyone's not trying to make avatar. Some people are just trying to make, you know, something something that just has enough in it, right? So Yeah.
0: So somewhere along the way, Unity became the definitive indie platform. If you want to, to John's point, you wanted to make a you want to make a game, you want to get started, you're gonna get Unity. Unreal had a um, their pricing model is pretty straightforward it's free to get unreal you get um and you owe them 5% of your revenues after making a million dollars that's how it works unity has a always had a pricing model up until their announcement last week which was you pay for a license and that's it you don't owe them any recurring revenue after that fact even if you stopped developing in it. Your game is out there. You still don't owe them anything. Any money you make is yours. And that was great for Unreal. And, the, and that was great for Indies. And you could also download it for free, just like Unreal. You could download the engine for free. Right. Um, so you, can learn, you were learn. Right? But you were limited. You were limited yeah. to what you can do. And then any depending on your distribution and depending on what you wanted to do with it, you would then have to pay different licensing in the form of like Pro and uh, Plus and then Enterprise and, up to the line. And I guess quickly to put in why you do that,
1: and this happens with Software to make movies as well, right? So, like Houdini is a good example that has kind of a free license, and that's that's which every simulation, every big movie nowadays is kind of has a lot of Houdini work in it, a lot of side effects Houdini work. You do that because when you're in school or you're young or you want to learn an engine, you get in for free. You're not going to make money off this thing, most likely. You're going to learn it, and then if you really care about it, you're going to use that the tools to possibly get a job. To possibly work for one of these, you know, one of these companies or a company using the engine. It's a real interesting way to get people into your ecosystem, as then the ones who really stick with it become loyal to your engine or loyal to your software um it's maybe a little different from things like adobe suite for photoshop it's maybe a little different for some of those where it's like no no we want you to learn this for free because we expect that at some point if you really want to start making money and making a game then you'll kind of realize okay we'll come take our cut after you have learned this
0: engine and kind of become an evangelist towards the thing we're building right so as a uh, for a lot of indie teams that was their go-to solution easy once one and done you're out and people have been using this platform for ov- over a decade. It's at been this a long point. time. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of teams have had their games in development for years. that might be on the brink of releasing them next year after years of development, even months of development. It's not a significant amount of time. And 18 years. Investment in but 1. no i'm saying i'm lose. saying like some teams yeah oh right 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 yeah no, no, I'm, I'm saying, saying unity s- yeah. unity's been around
1: for 18 years as an official right. as an official
0: it started as a mac os game engine so that was in yeah. june 8th, 2005 so as to as they have blown up so too has their corporate structure <laughs> they have a lot of people i've actually been to their office and it was uh, it was very nice in san francisco and uh they've been very kind to us it's been great it's been a great relationship and they i think it's a great product And, you know, it's built on the premise of, you know, you created one engine and you can export out to all these platforms. And for the most part, it works. It's not perfect. You obviously have to do tweaking, but for the most part, it works and it's great. Um, anyway, fast forward to last week, they came out with a new plan. They said, you know what? It's got to go beyond the licenses now. Now you still have your seats. You still have your same plans where you have to pay for your license, but now we're going to add, uh, but we need, they basically unity might as well have just come out and said, Hey, we need more money. Yeah. So their and, solution and, and, was and this. I think real
1: quick to maybe roll back just a little bit. Unity before was a private company, right? It was a, uh, you know, 20 people, 30 people making a game engine mm-hmm. and as Jason said it's on point. It scales up, right? The business model scales up. It's really popular, more people are using it. The company then releases an IPO. I think it was in 2014, 2015. So now it it's publicly traded. You can buy a Unity stock today. Um, it's publicly traded. They have a, a public CEO. It's ran kind of more like a traditional tech company is versus a small software company. So yeah, I think that leads into what Jason just said is this is news that gets released last week is sort of a culmination over and maybe actually, I think it, IPO was 2018, I think. Um, but it's the culmination of sort of something that starts in 2005 as uh, an engine for gamers, kind of by gamers in a way to build games and it now turns into last week where it's it's a company that needs to earn revenue that has a lot of employees big offices and they have changed their their pricing model right
0: so here's what they proposed basically they put out and here's the first problem they had to put out a basically a a mini spreadsheet to explain how these prices work (laughs) so what they set up there's three different tiers between we'll just say the lowest one, which is personal and unity plus unity pro and enterprise. Those are the, those are the three tiers. And each one of these tiers has a revenue threshold and an install threshold until you meet both of these, both revenue and install thresholds. You don't owe them any additional money, but after that point, that's when the fees kick in and the fees are not based on revenue, like something like unreal is, but based on install if you're on personal and unity plus those thresholds are $200,000 and tw- 200,000 installs so theoretically once you pass 200,000 installs you will pass 200,000 revenue in right. revenue unless your game is like a dollar you know <laughs> a right the easiest yeah, math exactly. is yeah, so yeah, a game
1: yeah. for a dollar Two two 200,000 people install the game they give you one dollar after that you start you know unity comes and goes hey What's
0: what's going on here? We need a percent. We need a cut of that dollar that you'll get yeah. going forward. Well, actually, technically, you'd make depending on the platform. If it's on Steam, you'd actually make uh, one thousand one hundred forty thousand dollars because it's yeah. Uh, but, but, it, but look, take I, seven, I, I th- think 70%. that adds to the discussion here that you're about to that you're about exactly to propose, really, yes. right. Yeah. So so you had to, so then once you hit those thresholds in that tier, you owe twenty cents per install, no matter what, except for right. emerging so markets. would so that, two that'd be two hundred thousandth
1: in one game. Unity wants 20 cents off of that. Whether your game is a dollar versus 20 bucks, it's not
0: a percentage, it's just the, the pennies. Correct. 20 cents. Okay. Yep. Yep. Unity Pro, the threshold is a million dollars and it's a million downloads. And then this is where it gets, this is where it's like they needed to bust out a spreadsheet for right. the first one to a million down. So, like, basically up to 2 million. I'm sorry. The next one to a hundred thousand is 15 cents per install. The next a hundred thousand and one to 500,000 is 7.5 cents per install from 5,001 to 1 million. It's 3 cents per install. And from 1 million and from 1 million and one and up, it's 2 cents per install. That's if you're on unity pro. Now, if you're on enterprise, the, it's the same threshold 1 million 1 million million dollars million installs it is one it is 12.5 cents per install for one to 100,000 6 cents per install from 100 to 500,000 2 cents per install for 500,000 to a million and 1 cent per install for a million plus now if you're in emerging markets there it's a fraction of a penny per install so this is the plan that they proposed instead of saying hey give us you know you're, it's saying on top of your, you're, on top of your, um, seats and licenses that you're already paying for, you also have to pay this as well. Right. And they did this in probably the most convoluted way possible. What you just explain And they dropped it like a bomb because they dropped this, convoluted. Yeah. They dropped this last week, I believe. And, They were like, oh, and by the way, it kicks in January 1st, so less than three months from now. So, hey, if you guys were working on a game for the last, you know, for the last two years or whatever it was, if you were planning on releasing a game in the next year, chances are you're rounding a corner and you're already too deep to switch engines. Guess what? Any calculation that you had before this point, you are going to owe us this. And now you're gonna oh you're gonna lose even more money on this project than you initially anticipated because of these reasons. That's the rudest part of all this. Because on the surface level, that and then this, we could get into the controversy. My, that was gonna be
1: my question to you is yeah. is from a devil's advocate standpoint. Yes. What's what's wrong with Unity? I mean, like how what percentage of people or game companies make $200,000 and 200,000 installs on their game. What percentage of, That's got to be a small that's pretty successful game, right? Like unless you're a studio of of 100 to 300 people, if you're a studio of five guys and five guys or girls and you make a game and you make $200,000 and 200,000 installs, right? That's both. That means if you're selling your game for $1.40 and you sell 200,000 versions of those of that game, that that's that's a pretty you're doing well. Like why not? Why should they not get a cut of what you've done? You should still be able to pay your your the people working for you. Right? Yeah. Like 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 what's the what's the problem from a capitalist standpoint? Why why is this so bad that Unity wants money? They've got to they've got to keep they've got their own staff to pay. They've got to keep the engine updated. What what's the problem?
0: Exactly. I that is the that's an easy devil's advocate perspective to take and I don't disagree with it in that yes if you have reached 200,000 installs at the base level then you've you are doing pretty well even if your game is a dollar right you would still have to make then you're there I don't believe that you could have a 200 I don't believe you can make $200,000 on a dollar game i don't I don't understand how a game that you're charging a dollar for cost you two hundred thousand right. dollars. Let me put yeah. it that way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you're charging a dollar for your game, then it did not take. It did not cost that much money because you should be you should be charging more for it. Facts. right. yeah, okay. absolutely. Let's yeah. start there now, in the in the so if you're talking on the base level there, yeah, I think most people in that situation would still be profitable. the on a base level, let's just look at it in the terms of, I sell a product, you buy a product. Put aside Mm -hmm. all other things. You're looking at the most pure uh, transaction of game. Yeah. Correct. This is fine. There's nothing. I actually see minimal issue with this. If that was the actual reality of game distribution in the current marketplace. Right. In which case, I would look at this and say, did you make the most complicated um, way to do this in history? Yes. That's undeniable. Right. But is it fair? Yeah, I actually think it's fair, especially compared to Unreal. I actually think these these values still are favorable to Unreal. Again, in that vacuum of traditional sale of games commerce, where I sell you a product, you buy the product, I give a percentage, just like I give a percentage to Steam, guess what? I'm giving a percentage to the engine holder. And in some cases, like if I'm selling 2 million of a game and all I owe is 2 cents on, say, a game that's... You know, let's just use basic math and not get into the, the craziness. But if, if I'm selling a $50 game and I only owe you two cents of that revenue instead of the you know the fifteen dollars that I have to give to a Steam, then that's pretty good. Or if I was giving it to Epic, that would be two dollars and fifty cents. That's pretty good. Even if it was 15 cents, 15 cents is still a lot less than two two dollars and fifty cents yeah. for a fifty dollar title. Now we yep. could scale to a point where You know that that is less favorable, but it it takes a lot like for 15%. Let's say 20 cents 20 cents. That would be for you'd have to charge $4 for your game to have to make that 20 cents per install equal to epics take on unreal. Okay, just to ask
1: as a as a producer, Mm -hmm. this is part of the job, right? You do the forecasting of how much, you know, what are the milestones, how much the game could possibly make if you sell this many units. Like, that's all, like, if you're making a game and you're expecting to make money off of it, it's kind of your responsibility as a game developer to know what your operating costs are and how much revenue you need. So your pricing, and your pricing with Unity if you think your game is going to be successful. I'd argue this is part of the job, right? This is what you, if you're not doing this, you're being irresponsible as a game developer if you need this to make money.
0: Right. Right. So yeah. so that's the that's the rational look at this in a vacuum if the year was 20 let's let's just say it was 2010, right? The year I started in the games industry. It is not 2010 anymore. <laughs> this is why this enters all sorts of problems and why people see this and then they are very confused. The biggest elephant in the room. Free to play games. Genshin Impact. Millions of people download this game for free and pay zero dollars to do so. Hmm. And you not only not only are people downloading it for free, you are paying for people to download the game. So before you even and you might actually be banking on a per user acquisition cost of higher than, whatever it is that of like uh, of something that might be higher than the actual return than you're going to get. So you might say, yeah, all right, I'm buying these people for, you know, like $5 or something like that. And I'm hoping I get $5 back. Maybe I don't, but I also now have to sacrifice that value to say, you know, I might just be trying to pull in people low cost who are only going to give me 10 cents and I'm only going to get 10 cents per user. Well, guess what? That doesn't make any sense if I owe them 20 cents. (laughs) Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's not realistic because these are the guys sure. who the enterprise accounts. So you're you're again talking about a very one dollar per one cent per install though. Well shit, if I get 10 million downloads and now I owe you, you know, what's that point? So one penny, one percent of that. So now I owe now I owe you a hundred thousand dollars. Like that's not insignificant, but it's something mm-hmm. that someone like Genshin could afford. But if you have free to play games, if I'm putting out a free-to-play game to the market and I'm just testing the waters, right? If I'm a, if I'm in that lower tier. I might get to $200,000, but I might get there after spending a million on marketing. Sure, and then yeah, every yeah. download on that, I owe somebody 20 cents for a download that might result in zero revenue. That becomes complicated. Hmm. That's that's one factor of it is the free-to-play side of things. And that's not just on mobile and PC like Genshin. I mean, but that's also PC. Think if there's a lot of free-to-play games yeah. that are just testing a monetization model that might have a million downloads and <laughs> that might have well over 200,000 downloads, may, might, might even have over a million in revenues and a million in downloads, but still aren't profitable because of the amount of marketing expenses they do have you, to put in because I'm, of the UA grunt.
1: I'm, I'm I'm asking this not knowing that this isn't a rhetorical question. Do you know how many games are released like a day? Like, do you have, like, if you wanted to, you, you, you might not have the number today, but I'm assuming you have the metrics of, people don't understand how many games are released a day. And there's a reason why this model exists because you are kind of trying to find, you're trying to thread a needle when there is a billion needles out there that are, that's why there's all these different monetary methods, right? Because the one traditional method is not the same hundred, hundred groups making games. It's millions of people, mostly because stuff like unity, unity gives access for people to try things and make games and use it as a hobby and it's, it's not like it's this specialized thing where there's only 100 movies released every year because regardless, making a movie is really expensive. Even if you're making an indie film, it's hard. But games, I'd argue the barrier to entry to games because of software like Unity, that's the one positive thing Unity has done. It's removed a lot of the mysticism from this. And so that free-to-play model you just described can exist in a world where you have software traditionally like Unity that allows for me and you right now to load up the software start messing around, sharing assets and art, and start to make a video game.
0: Yeah. It's it's true. Um, there are so many games that come out. And Unity came out and they said, these fees won't impact 90% of our developers. And that's... I have no doubt that that's true. Yeah, And I think for I'd say m- at least half, if not mo- I'd say 90% of that 10%, it's probably peanuts to actually give them this money for the installs. But... Here's the other problem, uh, considering that it's the year 2023 and not, again, 2010. Um, there are multiple means of distribution that exist beyond just the um beyond the um just the I sell you a game, you buy the game. There are also bundles, like humble bundle bundle that exist, where you may be making, you know, fractions of a penny because you're just giving away a game based on donations or something. And that might get your numbers up to a lot where I've all of a sudden I've broken a million or something, or broken 200,000 in revenues, but now I'm blowing past the install threshold, but not because I'm charging my full price of a game, like the 15, $20, even $10 that I would sell as an indie game, but because I'm actively giving it away for some other small deal, Right. And now I owe money on that or I get a, or all of a sudden I'm in Amazon Primes giveaway for a month. And that means that, you know, by default, 200,000 people are getting that. And maybe I even made money because Amazon paid me. I don't know.
2: Mm.
0: Or Game Pass. If I get a Game Pass game up there, well, that's by default going to be installed by hundreds of thousands of people. They might even not, they might not even play your game, but you'll get that money, but you'll get those downloads. Does that mean... If I made $200,000, right, and now I got a Game Pass deal, right, because if I made $200,000, chances are I made enough money that, um, like, here's the worst case scenario, right? A game costs $200,000 to make. I made my $200,000, but I made my $200,000 by selling, let's say, I don't know, 40,000 units, right? Mm -hmm. That would be a, um, why did I say that number? I don't know, 40,005. That's a $5 game. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's say I did that. Um, hell, let's even lower the bar. Let's say um, it would be a $10 game at that point. $10. That'd be t- I've sold 20,000 units at $10. Right. We're not going to work into any percentages here of takeaways, or anything like that. We'll just do basic math. And then because of that, I was able to get a Game Pass deal because enough people recognized it on Steam. And all of a sudden, hey, Microsoft, they gave me some money or something like a little bit of money to the port. Great. Broke even on that. I've made my $200,000 back on the development. Now I'm expecting gravy from from Game Pass, right? All of a sudden, I'm working on this $200,000, on, uh, on this Unity license at the lowest end. I give this to Microsoft. Now a million people get my game, download my game. And because the rate is based on installs on Game Pass, now the assumption is, again, without any clarification, because they didn't really give it, is that I owe them... Two hundred thousand hmm. dollars, <laughs> because a million people downloaded the game. That's the right amount. Right. yeah. Because you're talking about twenty percent, right? So 0.2 times a million, what is that? That is two hundred thousand dollars. So now, I owe Unity two hundred thousand dollars because I because this many people downloaded the game essentially for free.
1: My, and that a, a question a question I have that's a, that's a little rhetorical because I know the answer, but. How, how does Unity, how is Unity able to track this? How does Unity know, right? Computer software is a real interesting thing where it's not like it's an app store, right? There's all sorts of ways you can download a game that you can offer a game for download, right? You can have it on Steam. You can have it on all these different platforms versus something like the Apple Store or the Google Store, right? Or the Google Play Store. You know, one download for app goes to this device, you can download it. A lot of people download the same app on multiple devices. How does Unity track installs for this?
0: Unity runtime. Which is basically code in the software that tells people that that triggers online and says, "Hey, someone's been installed. Someone's installed this game."
1: But but so, what if? But I mean, piracy is still a thing with video games, right? Well, that's right? the other side of it.
0: They I'm, say I'm leading you. They here. know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. They say they say. Well, I was going to get there at the end. I was trying to go through all the legal challenges. The challenges. I mean, that exist this on the this is one of the plan. legal challenges, the piracy, though, right? But well, no, no, one I'm one saying sorry. I meant, yeah. I meant the legal forms of people obtaining the game. The piracy oh, gotcha. thing is another thing. I don't think, I don't know if you could actually get people to like. I don't know if you could get like hundreds of thousand people to to download your game through piracy. I mean, maybe, maybe they can, but that's that's crazy. But, so but still, it's I guess possible, just sure. any metric But It, it, is, is, it is another metric yeah, where it's weird, where it's like, how do you know the difference? How do you know who downloaded it through Game Pass on Xbox versus who paid for it legitimately? Do you know? Hard to say. Um, I don't have that experience. We don't have any games in Game Pass, so I couldn't even tell you. But even if I did, I probably couldn't even tell you how it works. Um, but, if, but my assumption is that It's the same game and it's almost like a glorified coupon code. And it's like, you know, your license is through Xbox's authentication, not through anything in the game code itself. You Hmm. know, when they when when Xbox, how do I know this is probably the case? Because when Microsoft is putting in a into Game Pass, some like, you know, Xbox one game that they didn't even publish. Do you think those people are going into the code to put something in there to allow it to work on Game Pass? No, there's no way. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Here, it's yours. So Unity will not know this. And they don't know. um, And to your point, they also won't know if it's been installed through Pirate Through Illegal Means or not. Because if they did, that means they can detect it. And that means every... Developer would put the code in to prevent it from launching because it would know it was pirated. Right. It is, it, it's insane that they're saying, yeah, we'll know the difference. It's like, no, you don't. Right. And if you and, do, then someone will be able to flip it around because that's how piracy and hacking works. Right. And look, and I think some of the reason, re- the reason why I
1: bring this up is because when you were saying before even getting to sort of the controversy of this, these were a lot of the questions that were being asked from like a comm standpoint right you're a developer you're working on a game you're using an engine the engine comes out and says hey we're making these changes your first thing i would hope is to say okay thanks for sending this to us i have questions of what does this mean for me how do you track this what happens with piracy when people started asking developers started asking questions and unity's response was not satisfactory, whereas Jason just explained, because some of this stuff, they're like, well, wait a minute, I'm a developer. And I would say, you're, you're discussing this with pretty smart people. The difference with this is that it's not a consumer level. These are people who spend a lot of time and effort to develop sometimes very complicated things, right? You're talking to the people, not these aren't people playing games. These are people developing games, building software themselves. So they obviously have a bit more of an insight of what does it mean to maintain software? What does it mean to release a game? And I think that's where some of this came in, where everything Jason just talked about, Unity's answer was
0: not satisfactory. Mm-hmm. So the, that's basically where we're at now. lately. So Unity came out and they're like, on Sunday night, they said hey, we've heard you, we're going to make some changes, we'll tell you in the coming days. They haven't said anything as of this moment. Like I said, it's Wednesday, September 20th, um, as of the time we're recording. I don't know what they could say that could be satisfactory at this point, other than a full retraction of it. I think that's their best bet. Their best bet, if I was Unity, first of all, Mm -hmm. you would have to know this was going to happen only because it's so this, complicated this is an interesting that discussion the that i like, want to have you would have to know this was happening how do you know this was happening because i believe i saw this and i don't know if this is um what's that like legal thing where you like you know where you say something about somebody because they th- basically their ceo was selling stocks <laughs> like right insider in large training, quantities right? leading like, leading up to this Right. Yeah, in, so it's like theory, okay, you, cl- right. you clearly knew you information, something going to happen.
1: Yeah, you're selling it because, and again, like you could also argue in a court of law. Well, this is I've sold lots of stock. I've I sell yes, stock exactly. all the time. Yeah. right. I, I started selling this of thing earlier this year. Sure. Yeah, when you start right. talking about
0: this. So, all right. If I was Unity One, clearly you need to make some money, right? You made some bets. Maybe they didn't pay off uh, to the extent that you were expecting. I think the the Iron Source one is a big one. They bought Iron Source that is on paper a great deal in a free-to-play, in a thriving mobile marketplace that exists on ads. Here's the problem. Facebook and and Congress mostly have have really tampered down on uh, privacy. And as a result, ads don't have the same value that they Hmm. used to in the free-to-play marketing space. So as a result, the value of that purchase becomes reduced and that also means that you know, uh, that games actually make more money on a good um, in-app purchasing economy than it does on ads. So games like Genshin Impact and Honkai Star Rail from MiHoYo, those are two of the biggest grossing games on the planet, not just mobile games, literally two of the high, highest grossing games on the planet have zero ads in them. They are all based on an economy of in app purchases, same thing with Fortnite. Zero ads in Fortnite, only, uh, only in app purchases, and it is thriving. So that's reduced. That's a bad bet. Okay, shit. That was over a billion dollars or however much it was to buy them. I don't know. And now we need to make some money because those aren't returning uh, in the way. Just we Just to
1: give you the number on Iron Source, I believe
0: it was about four million or sorry, four billion that they spent yeah, okay. on Iron Source at the time. Probably a savvy investment. But when did they buy it?
1: uh sorry. i'm looking up the information uh unity's merger with iron source because they merged with them it was 2000 and sh- 2021 i want to say was when the deal was first Oof. made this articles in november 2022 of when it was official that they were officially merged but i'm trying to find the exact numbers because i if i remember correctly i believe yeah 4.4 billion dollar merger with unity and iron source yeah, that's, so that's
0: rough, rough time, right? So that it is, was coming is together is in a four point right.
1: four billion all stock deal, and that was, yeah. This is from November twenty twenty two of when it was official.
0: Yeah, that's basically right after the point that you were blinded by any activity going on after you drove people through Facebook marketing. And and, uh, and look, uh, I, so I yeah. will
1: say this as well.
0: The reason why this is interesting to me is
1: because Unity purchased the tech side of weta digital the company that i've worked for for a long time so weta split into two companies there's the film side which makes pictures and delivers images and there is the tech side that is now owned by unity so when of unity's big plays in 2021 the same time that they were sort of doing this iron source merger was to buy the technology that we used a lot of technology that i had a part in writing and developing they bought that and bought that as part of Unity. And I would say, right, that's a lot of cash. Well, we just just described basically $6, million, $6 billion in about 18 months that has been spent by Unity. And so if you're a shareholder, and most important, you're an investor into Unity, the first thing you say looking at 2023 is, hey, so when do I start making some money back? Because we spent a lot of money, which is great. We're building tech. We're competing with Unreal Engine but at some point i got to start seeing some returns because these balance sheets aren't looking good and the stock price is down because of massive acquisitions and mergers in wall street and this is sort of why i brought up the point of becoming a publicly traded company you can no longer do things private the way that unreal engine can because unreal engine doesn't need public investor money they have investor money but not to the level that unity does so when your company is public. You no longer think in terms of community and people using the engine. You think in the very real terms of, I need to make money to start paying back people who invested in us to begin with.
0: Yeah. And that's where Unity
1: is now, when they have to make a decision like what we just discussed.
0: Yeah. So the other thing is that Unreal has Fortnite, and they make 100% of the money that Fortnite gets. Yep. Different different model, right? Different model, different risk, and it worked out for them. Unity doesn't have anything like that, unfortunately. So as a result, where do they get their money from? Well, the people using their product. And, it, and I think in practice, like or in theory, that's fair. You, we use your product. You deserve to be compensated for using that product. Now, how do you deserve to be compensated for using that product? Well, one, we pay a license for using that product. That is already happening. Like, I wonder the nature if they said, okay, 90% of people don't have to be, won't be affected by these changes. Okay. What happens if you affected a hundred percent of your users by increasing their rate, increasing their fees on their licensing? You still don't have your, you don't have to be charged for install. So there's no questions, but guess what? And just say something drastic. We're doubling the cost of all licenses on Unity. Effective whenever, effective same day, January 1st. We're going to have to up the, we're going to double the prices of all those. Cool. Now, a hundred percent of your people are affected, but there's no questions. It's straightforward. It's easy, right? Is it tough to pill to swallow? Yeah, anything increasing by 100% is bad, but you could throw the stupid, you know, inflation spending at any at any argument, right? Say 50%. Guess what? We jacked everything sure. up by 50%. Inflation, what are you going to do? We got to do that for these other things. But Unity shot themselves in the foot with a, with like a bazooka with this thing because <laughs> not only did they do this, but they're like, "Yeah, we're using this additional money to invest in AI." It's like, "What are you talking? Who are you talking to?" You are literally talking to the people who are anti-AI. Like you are talking to everything you're saying is things you don't want to do or say. And as a result, you're just, uh, and, and you're doing it the most messy way possible. And you're also basing it on a, you're basing your return on a system that's not guaranteeing revenue for the developer themselves. And that's the biggest problem here. And that's the biggest numbers that I take with this pricing. It's not so much that hey, Unity wants recurring revenue. Get it. Got it. Fine. That's the unreal model. Makes sense. But the fact that they're taking revenue off of a metric that's not necessarily revenue. <laughs> you know? Right. The example going to the Game Pass thing. Yeah. It's like cool. It's- Microsoft gives you a million dollars. Okay, cool. Got it. They give me a million dollars. Unity says hypothetically well that was a million dollars against this game that you built in unity we want five percent of that just like unreal right versus hey actually we're only we're going to take our revenue based on the people that install it well then you're looking at that being like oh my god i hope x number of people don't download this game (laughs) (laughs) i hope only this many people play my game otherwise i'm fucked you know otherwise i've lost the money that i'm talking to and then unity twist themselves into a knot, being like, oh, well, actually, we know if people are downloading it from Game Pass, so we would expect the platform holder to then give us that revenue. And then Microsoft would probably look at them and be like, uh, no. And then here's who else would look at them and say no, unequivocally, Apple. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think, and that's a you think anybody this, who I
0: puts think. an yeah. Apple Arcade game on there and Unity's yeah. like, hey, uh, yeah, you guys have that game on Apple and it's on... Uh, and uh so we need that hey uh hey mr cook can uh can you send us a check for like about two hundred thousand dollars because that game got a million downloads on uh, apple arcade Uh, old timmy's gonna look at them and be like no also who are you yeah (laughs) we're not gonna pay you shit so
1: a few things i want to bring up as far as my my thoughts on this right and the reason why this is so interesting to me one is Mm -hmm. big picture just in general of things of where we're headed as far as technology and the internet and the other one is kind of really a bit smaller scale more insider tech thing right so i mean you just if you've listened to the podcast as far bless you you're probably sitting there going okay that's great and it's an interesting story but why the hell should i care about this i i play video games or i don't play video games or i play the odd mobile game here and there right i play candy crush whatever i download something because it's fun and it kills time but i'm not spending any money on games Well, why should i care about this And I think the reason, in my opinion, why you should care about this is because this just means it gets directed towards the consumer, right? If you're building a business and you're a game developer and you're doing the math that we just talked about, your immediate thought is, well, I got to up the price of my game or the free-to-play model doesn't work for me, right? So I would say we've become very accustomed to using the internet for more or less free. I know that's changed recently. But over time, it's kind of been like, well, no, I can kind of find what I need to for. I can play games for free. I can watch videos on YouTube. Sure, there's an ad here or there. But most people, right, they just go, fine, you take 30 seconds of my time. But I'm happy to give that, right? That's the model that Facebook and Google have kind of trained us on. And I mean that both literally and figuratively have trained us on by going, well, that's your currency, right? Your currency to use the internet is watch an ad as you just explained with iron source and sort of what's happening with Congress and Facebook, that's changing the way we use the internet is no longer going to be sort of you pay by attention. And I would argue the reason why I say this is not just unity, but like, I mean, X Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it. I just saw an article of, they're going to start using you know, there's a rumor that they're going to start charging people to use the, use the app. They use the platform. Maybe. Right. You pay whatever. I mean, it's like using. I mean, think about it. Most things these days have kind of come to this free to play model, watch an ad. That's changing. And I don't know whether or not this went into Unity's thought process. I mean, you buy Iron Source, I figure you'd be big on some of this stuff. I'm like, no, no, we got to keep this alive. But very clearly, just ad revenue and things isn't an, like they've realized that's not enough. That's the only reason why I can see that you would switch to this type of metric is because someone in your group has kind of told you well, that's not enough, right? Monetarily, getting money that way for is not enough. You've got to find another metric. What's another metric we can use? And I think, like you said, I think whether it was bad marketing or just a bad idea, they struck on installs. So I agree that they'll backtrack on that. But I do think that the very real possibility of sort of people understanding The Using the internet is about to cost you money, whether you like it or not, with where things are going. This is a lot of screaming developers and people who are very used to one model of the internet who need to get used to the other. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just looking at it for realizing the way we use the internet is going to change. So that that's kind of my that's my first take on it, as in the real problem of why you should care about this is because, one, I think this is sort of a it's a canary in a very large coal mine. That is the Internet of I, I'm expecting more companies to start doing this type of stuff where all of a sudden you something that you kind of use for free and that you're able to learn and use and build communities around will start to cost you something. Does it need to cost you what Unity priced out to costing? No, because that seems like an overcorrection and overshoot and an improper way to do this. But I think you're a little naive to think that a company like Unreal won't look at this and go, huh, sure, it's bad press. And I think every company thinks this. Well, we'll do it better. We'll change our model to be better. And I, I, again, like I would say, this is why a lot of the the big uproar in the game development community. Has torn has told to right like what do you do if you're a game developer right now and you're using Unity and you've been building games in Unity and you've done the math, or even just the ethics of it you don't like right you don't like the CEO you don't like the ethics of publicly traded companies you just don't like the ethics of where this has gone over the last three four years as a company that started very independent focused and we're here for you guys we're in this together we use the engine just like you do to a corporate machine with you know C suite and I mean, Unity has, like, 50,000 employees. Like, it's it's a tech company now. Like, Unity's got... It's not 20 people. It's, it's thousands no, it's of huge. people. It's yeah. huge. A global company, right? So what do you do if you're a game developer, right? So I said the consumer, right? You just got to be used to paying for stuff because game developers are going to go, well, if I'm going to keep using this engine, I got to charge you more because I got to get my cut as a game developer because not only does a certain percentage go to my publisher, who helps get my game out there, a.k.a. people like Jason, who help game developers get products out there or work with game developers to get products out. I got to, I got to go to steam and Apple store and Google. They got to get a cut. Now unity wants a cut and I got to pay my people. So like all of a sudden this becomes a lot of people that you've got to sort out in order to make your, your cut at the end for being a game developer. So what do you do? You can't afford that, right? You don't have enough people to build your own engine, right? So you're not electronic arts or, or sony or nintendo so to speak i know that's a bad example but i'm using it for the layman of yeah we don't need that we're going to build our own engine we're going to work with developers that have the tech and the tools to build their own stuff we don't need to deal with this that doesn't doesn't bother us right so you can't afford to do that because there's 20 of you and you know you're a little worried of this happening with unreal engine your your team doesn't know how to use this engine they've got to learn something new And what says that Unreal doesn't one day decide that they need more money because Fortnite doesn't make as much, right? You start looking at open source things. Like the thing I've heard is Godot. Godot is this game engine that's open source and MIT licensed and you can branch the code off and it's back to the original use of the internet where people are just working on it for the love of it. That's what I'm going to pick up, right? But obviously the incentivization of that group to make... All of the things that Unity, right? Unity is buying Weta Digital. You know, Unreal is bu- is, you know, buying the best developers in the world to build fresh new ray tracing technology for lighting. Godot is doing a lot of cool stuff, but it's open source. It's kind of a non profit in theory, right? In spirit and for in now. theory for <laughs> yeah, now. But people still work on it. <laughs> like that's people are working on it. People are spending their people. time on it, right? Who's running the
0: website for Godot?
1: Yeah. Like people are spending money, and you're kind of relying on donations. Now, to be fair, Godot has had the most donations. I think I read something of like in the last, you know, seventy-two hours or whatever the time frame oh, is. Oh, yeah, than they've sure. seen in like two years. Like it's like people from It's Like Unity, the day
0: everybody went to Hive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Remember yeah. Hive?
1: Or, or the way everyone went to Threads on Instagram, like you, whatever, right? Like it's just yes, people just exactly. migrate because they're unhappy with something, and it happens. Now, look, I, I for my a moment, theory. Yeah, I bring that up because I do believe that if you are a game, the same way that if you're a consumer and you have to get used to the way that this is changing, the way that the Internet is changing, the way that we our relationship with the Internet and these big tech corporations is changing, I do believe that sort of the indie game development community, while it's easy because you're on social media and the controversy can get very hot very fast and you can gather a mob very quickly to get things to retract I, I i don't think i mean at the end of the day making a game engine is it, it's it costs a lot of money yep and you only have so many options that are kind of between the free option which is the open source option and you might get an update you're going to end up writing a lot of updates yourself and the all encompassing here's the package but you're going to have to pay me a little bit for this that's probably a bit more than when you'd pay if you did this yourself. And so that's where if I'm in game development and the big looming AI thing that the big companies start to go, "Hey, and we see this thing happening. Okay, we're going to make this even easier if you pay for it, right? You don't have to you know, you don't have to hire an artist to paint backgrounds for your your world. We're gonna we're gonna start integrating AI tools into this to make it even easier for people who maybe aren't as talented or as dedicated or whatever the words you wanna use as an artist for why a developer is gonna write code that takes the the talented, hardworking thing that you've trained on yourself and train a computer to recognize patterns and and functions into doing this. So I think that's That's what I feel from game developers. I feel like it's a little bit of that purging of not. I think the pricing is kind of the straw that broke the camel's back of a lot of different things that are happening in technology where it's like, hey, making games is hard and you don't make a lot of money making games for a lot of these people. It is a hobby. It's a labor of love. They have, they have the old pull myself up by my bootstraps big aspirations that they'll someday make money and they won't have to go to their accounting job anymore. But most people don't make money on this hobby. And I think that's, that's right. something that, that, that Unity misjudged. But I think most game developers are going to have to realize the hobby portion of this is not affected. And for those of you in the middle, I think it's a lot of people with aspirations and hopes. They go, well, one day when I get there, then this is a problem. And it's the ethics of it, and it's a lot of that yelling and screaming. But where we're headed, these companies are going to come for their check because the way that they get their money is changing. So mm-hmm. I, it's again, there's no right or wrong answer for this. It's why it intrigues me, like to no end, of just I'm yeah. not a game developer, but I'm a user of the internet, and I believe in technology. The AI stuff is interesting, but I also see the morality and sort of the the ethical side of what we're doing from a technology standpoint as we start to increase our usage into these more things that were more passion projects that were more spiritual ways to make money when they're no longer it's big business making video games was a hobby that was fun and you get a cute game it's 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 a billion 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 dollar business so of course you're going to start having some of these headhunters that run wall street firms Coming in to decide how they make money. And that's where we are. So yeah, that's my general take on this. It's not a yes or no answer. Those are the things that I find interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: Um my my overall take is you're right about every, everything. Everything you said, I agree with. Um I just think that the biggest problem Unity had with this was communication. They had a few, yeah. they had a few problems here, a few flaws. When I said they shoot shot themselves in a the foot with a bazooka. They, they fucked up in a lot of ways. One, they couldn't have made this more complicated if they tried. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I'm sure they could have. Um, <laughs> they could have. They could have teared out the personal thing as well. They could have added more tears. Like it's so goddamn complicated.
1: It's very confusing because you were explaining it. You I was com- like,
0: what? What's the percentage? How much? Exactly. It's confusing. The fact that, the fact that in most scenarios for premium games, Unreal actually takes more money then I'd say 99% of premium games, let's take free-to-play off the table, right? Because that's not actually part of Unreal's competition, it, especially on mobile, right? Um, on, on PC, that's incorrect. But, um, but let's just say that, right? Um, in most cases, Unreal would still take more money, especially at the higher ends, than Unity would. Even in, even at the lower end, at that point, if you're just selling your game and you just do, I buy, sell you a product, you, you pay for it, that's it. Like, I'm only selling my game through Steam and nothing else. Unless I make my game a dollar, or if, as long as I don't lower my game lower than $4, it's cheaper still to go with Unity in this plan than it is to go with Unreal. That's That's point one. So their messaging was awful because their plan is so complicated. The next thing is the rationalization of the plan, of this. Hmm. They weren't just, cl- they talking about how, yeah, this is to invest and we're going to give you like these AI tools as a result of these things. It's like, no, you're talking to an industry that's so anti-AI yeah. and worried about jobs being taken away. And you're talking yeah, about- a lot of fear right taking now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you're only making that worse. And- You're and also part of the messaging. So, the next step, number three, is that there are so many unanswered questions that your messaging is so muddied that it shows that you have complete ignorance for how the current landscape works, or you do know how it works and you don't care, care. which makes it more sinister. At which point, you have lost all credibility with anybody to the point where even if you did revert this, they would just say, Screw it, I'm gone. Because we don't trust you, and you obviously don't care about us, the consumer. Yeah. And then the last and, point – Oh, go ahead. No, and I was just
1: going to say, remember, if, you, if you're still around, we talked about how this was founded, right? This was founded in 2005 with uh, – it was all free. It was you know community. It was just buy, buy a single license, and you're good, right? It was very simple. And you've got a community of people who are used to dealing with you when it was simple. But now you've made it complicated. And, of course, Mm -hmm. those original people who feel like they put all the effort in the community and have made your thing what it is, right or wrong, whether you believe that or not, your community believes the only reason you're successful is because of the work that we put in, because we really cared about this. We thought you cared about it the way we did. And you've changed the rules of engagement there. And, of course, with that comes emotions and hurt and pain and outlashing. And I, I think you can try to weather this. But like you said, it shows that you, that whoever is in charge now does not have the pulse of the community the way that whoever was in charge then had it, right? Just kind of what you just said, where it shows that either you don't understand or you don't care to understand. And it's hard to tell which is worse. And I think that's what makes it very hard to come back from when people are hurt in that way. Like. Me and you are thinking about this logically, but I'm sure you have talked to people who when you talk to them, you're like, wow, that's a real emotional response.
0: Oh, you but just I also all the independent yeah. all the game developers and yeah, they're, hurt. they're not necessarily wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but, but here's the other thing. It. Yeah. Here's here's the last here's the last point. Timing. Your yeah. timing is so abysmal. <laughs> and bad. it's not a matter of saying, Oh, you should have done it in September. No. The fact that you're giving people three months notice. Is also so very rude because around you are talking about something. Well. It's Christmas that like around the really time of year, and it does matter because I would say
1: people well, are no, more it's emotionally. Games, games, they're more guess, emotionally heightened by this stuff. Again, I think emotions plays. If you're a marketing person, you understand how much emotion plays into when you announce things, how you announce them, what time of year, how you do it. Like that plays into this, and I think whoever is in charge of marketing with Unity really missed the ball on this because I yeah. think. I think timing is not just like you said, like what you're about to say. It's already cut you off, but like for me, I'm just like time of year. The worst time to ever announce stuff like this that's changing people is when they're thinking about holiday time and end of the year revenue and money. People, more people think about money over the next three months than they ever think throughout the year, other than maybe mm-hmm. tax season.
0: Okay, fair. The bigger the point that I was making though was more about. By the way, we're going to do this in three months. Yeah, um, yeah. That is so you are blindsiding teams that have been working on things for years in a lot of cases most games take at least a year to make at least so let's say at the lowest end like you might have something you might have teams that just got it started like well shit we just had our whole plan and now we got to change it or but you might also have teams that say well you know we released this thing we we just put nine months into this game now what do we do do we actually release it we were going to release this in January. And now we didn't anticipate that we might have to owe like this much money after we hit this much. Now again, it goes back to that point. point: ninety percent of these people won't be affected. But now you're thinking about it, and now yep. you're like, "Well, here's a catch, and this is a catch that I did not sign up for when I started making this game a year ago." Yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. The point is, you you change the rules. Yep. You change the rules before, like at the at the in the fourth quarter, some cases literally, and. And that is that is ridiculous. So the fact that they probably slipped this into the latest version of Unity, I actually don't know where, which version of Unity this actual runtime uh, That's funny. Is. I, we
1: forgot to bring that up Of from what I read. They started going back to older versions, changing the terms of service. So yeah. They started so, retroactively going through people going, well, I'm just going to stay on the version I'm on. Your next release that, that this applies to, I'm not going to use. And they started going through the terms of service going, wait a minute, you just changed this. So now they're changing yeah. it in the code repository.
0: Yeah, that it's means, all. Yeah, it's, all, it's all. It all reeks of like sleazy business practices, yes. and they couldn't have done this worse. They literally—I've never seen a company like lose so much goodwill in so little time. And whatever they do next, I, I don't see a way that they could possibly recover in the next. I don't see a way that they could do anything to save face at this point, hmm. other than saying, "You know what? You're right. We're sorry." We're going to keep things as is for at least another year and then literally go away for a year and then or so and then be like, okay. And then in a year from now, be like, oh, hey, by the way, in a year, we're going to say it's based on a revenue, not based on an install because that is the worst part about it. Because if they said, hey, look, guess what? Free rides over. We got to make some money. You guys love the product. We love to serve you a product. But you know what? We need. To, we want to make sure that we can focus on the product and we can keep giving you a product that you like. So as of now, because their market, they <laughs> their reach is so wide, they should even undercut Unreal and say, "Look, you sign up for our product. You still get all the great services. You get the same price you're getting. Nothing changes. But when you break a million dollars, just like Unreal, we're only going to take three percent." Of your revenues, they no. would make more money than they're making on this here per dollar, and it would be more digestible because they literally have a one-to-one comparison with the product that already exists. Uh,
1: other than and what you just better. described, and again, we'll get off this. Just be, again, I, I want to talk about this as this story develops, so this won't be the last time. Just hopefully, this is the oh, big yeah.
0: the big discussion that we have about it. Yeah. But and it's b- great my for me question, I I haven't actually been able to talk about this really. Like, yeah, again, it's, it's super death. interesting to me so because cool. for me, yeah.
1: the other thing that I think of. Like the the other side of this coin is everything you just said is great for community and goodwill and game developers and getting your news off of IGN and Polygon and all these game, you know, these trades talking about how everyone hates you. But at the end of the day, what matters is the stock price. Whether you like it or not, in order to stay a business, right? Unity's stock went from 180 bucks when they bought Weta Digital to about thirty bucks now. Over there, that's eighteen, nineteen, almost two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that at the at the end of the day that will that's what will sink your company or not whether or not there is a hostile takeover because someone goes and well, we can afford to buy out your shares here we are going to own this company yeah
0: the right Saudi so that, government
1: right I mean just <laughs> in, in, anybody right Apple I mean you can Ten throw cent. around people who have money right Ugh. Tencent which is a heavy investor in Unreal yeah could buy Unity and go well we're going to just strip this thing for parts and take the stuff we like and throw away the stuff we don't like sorry fifty thousand people we're going to go down to a thousand like right oh, you see God, all these it's... scenarios for the company if they don't do this. So I'm inter like I would I would pay money to be a fly on the wall inside of this boardroom to figure out what do you do because like you said earlier I think they knew this was coming I think they misjudged how badly they were gonna misfire yeah.
0: I think the other, they yeah
1: they thought they thought developers were gonna be mad they saw it coming that's why they released a spreadsheet that's why they do all this stuff but I think they misjudged how bad they were going to be. And I think unity is not a major... I think they have to do something. What you just described, if it makes more money. But again, I'm assuming that they've got more metrics than me and you do. And that they did this for a reason. That's me assuming that they're smart business people, right? That's us assuming. We could be totally wrong. But my assumption is they released what they had to because that was the numbers. But yeah, hearts and minds and, and hey, love us again only matters so much when you don't make enough revenue and then that your investors start to really come after your money and start i want a new ceo i want new business plan good People get a new are, ceo this guy kind of sucks <laughs> and again he was the ceo of ea in 2014 2015 when yeah, ea he was get, all big on yeah he was huge into uh like Monetization. microtransactions yeah. yeah exactly so like again i i i yeah. think i think a lot of what i hear from gamers right and this is maybe a little unfair but i just hear gamers it's really interesting to hear kind of what used to be a real progressive industry, so to speak, right? Like I would say games yeah. before were Still sort is. of cutting edge, progressive as far as technology, but the way oh, of you, that you operate business, I, I mean, technology that you know, right? Rate tracing, lighting stuff, like the core stuff. But I think from a business standpoint, I think game developers and gamers have massively underestimated how many wolves are at this door who <laughs> will make money off of you and again, you complained about buying skins in Fortnite, but a lot of people are buying skins in Fortnite. You're complaining we'll about complain cryptocurrency. complain about buying skins in Fortnite. I, I'm saying people have like, well, that's not the monetary value. Hey, charge me a hundred bucks for a game. I'll pay the game. Leave me alone. I don't want updates. I don't want to have to pay in game for Madden rosters or for FIFA characters. I don't want to have to grind and do this in a game. That's against the spirit of gaming. I've heard it and people have said it, but those people will start to go away. And I, again, I say that because it's people fighting against cryptocurrency in games, fighting against AI in games. A lot of it sounds like I hate to say it, but it's it's boomerism to a degree where I look at this and I go, I'm with you because I want things to be the way they used to be. I want to buy a video game for 60 bucks and I don't want to have to give you any more money. I want to play the game the way it was intended. But that's not where we are. You can download games. You can download updates to games. You can pay for characters. You can. There, there's billions of dollars in streaming for for um, Fortnite and for League of Legends and for Overwatch. There's sports leagues being created. There's so much money at the door of gaming. The wolves are here, and you have to do more than just fight. The, the way it used to be, you got to start coming up with ways that this can work. I'm not saying you got to bend to it, but I'm saying that you got to do more than just stamp your feet and get on the internet and say, AI is going to destroy our business. Because whether you like it or not, like you said, money is what matters and money will take over all this stuff and they'll just pull the rug from under you. It's a lot like you can say your cause is more noble. It's very similar to the coal miners who are telling you we don't want clean energy. It's different because your cause is more noble and I agree with you, right? Your cause is not, hey, we're killing the planet. Your cause is we don't need microtransactions and cryptocurrency and video games. I'm with you. But it sounds very similar. But just because I agree with you doesn't mean that the other side, quote unquote, you know, is gonna just bend to your wheel, will. So that's that's my that's that's why this is so interesting to me, because I'm just going, man, this is such a loaded thing that is going to dictate what the Internet looks like as long as the as long as planet Earth is still
0: revolving and we don't destroy that first. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Guess we'll see. Guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. So if you, if you've enjoyed I, this discussion, stay tuned
1: because this is this is a story that is evolving and still very active. And probably the next time yeah. we talk, there will be a whole new section of this story that yeah, will come only, out of what their what their announcement is.
0: The only the only thing I want to say, and I'll, and I'll basically stop here because we we could talk about this forever. Probably is the yes. <laughs> especially now that we're in hypothetical mode. But you know, you mentioned the stock price. You mentioned about trying to get the money, that kind of stuff. The the stock and how my solution or something that is good for gamers. There is, it's one, it's not really about the gamers. It's the development community that's driving the conversation right now. And it's an indie dev community that may or may not actually feel the the burn from this, but they would know their finances better than I will. But the fact that a lot of them are saying things like, we're going to pull our games. Like some people have already said that. Like January 1st, we're pulling our game unless this is reverted. Um, You're literally talking about a large group of people. Your perspective revenue streams... Because, yeah, okay, cool. You're not going to make money off the 90%. Well, guess what? Someone in that 90% is going to be in that 10% eventually. Yeah. That is where it comes. The 10% doesn't stay the same. I mean, to some degree it might, but you want to grow that. Your success depends on other people being successful. And the only way you will be successful on their success is if they are using your engine. And if they're leaving your engine, then there's no money to be gained. And for new developers, that is that is what matters the most. Because guess what? You have current developers who are burned by you because they don't trust Mm -hmm. you. So now they're going to Godot or they're going to Unreal. Guess what? Unreal looks great. Everybody knows Unreal looks great. I'll figure it out. Enough. There's a big community there. Godot seems cool. I'll figure that out too. So if your stock is what you're worried about? You know it's going to. Pl- if stock is based on like future prospects of the health of the company, well, then guess what? That's going to tank even further if you don't retain your your audience. If yeah. your revenue, if your numbers are saying, "Wow, we lost," you know, we lost twenty five percent, and now we're losing more of a percentage because now we're losing ground to Godot or we're losing ground to Unreal, whatever it is, whatever it is. You need to keep your developers. You need that. Otherwise, you have nothing. So if you retract and you say, all right, we're done. We're sorry. We're not going to do that. But starting from one year from today, let's just say that. Let's let's take the measures to be less drastic. One year from today, we're doing the exact same thing that Unreal does, but we're taking 3% instead of 5%, or we're taking 4% instead of 5%, or hell, we're even taking 5%. Same great tools you love. We're not going to look at your downloads. We don't give a shit about your downloads. It's going to be the honor system. Give us 5% of your revenue after a million dollars. And if we audit you and you don't deliver, then guess what? We're coming after you. Fine. That's fair. Cool. Because those are the terms. And they only apply for future doubt, down- for future you list stuff right now. That's future revenue. That's everything solved. Everybody should be cool with that. Because it's like, great. You get yours. We keep ours for now. Yeah. We're good. Great. But will they do that? I don't know. I don't see how they could do anything but say for now nothing's going to change and then say, but we're going to come to you with a plan on what we're going to do because we need revenue. Best thing in this case, honesty. there's no, for me, it's not a death knell at this point. It yeah. is a fuck up beyond fuck ups, but it is not a, it's not the death knell for these guys. Um, uh, because especially in gaming, people have such short-term memories. It's not, even they really close. do. You know yeah. what the big, you know what the biggest release that's coming out this week is cyberpunk.
1: Yeah, that game was that game was like totally panned, and you know everyone's talking about yeah.
0: That was delisted from PlayStation Four. Never seen that before, ever. (laughs) Now, was it delisted because of the quality of the game, or was it delisted because because CD Projekt Red said, "You know what, Sony will give you refunds if you don't want the game." That's probably why they did it. But look, I'm not going to try to push straws either way. That game was dragged. the The uh, faith in the studio was lost. And then they, what did they do? They communicated, they improved, they iterated, they communicated. And now it's one of the, it's one of the best games that's going to come out this year. Yeah. And it's it's honestly why
1: if I'm, if I am unity and if I really thought through these decisions, like again, we're giving them the benefit of the doubt that they didn't just completely misfire this. I would be, I would be sitting there talking to my CEO going, I know it's hot, but we knew this was going to happen. Stay the course. Right. Yeah. Like that's what I would. If you truly believe that what you're doing is the right way to go, and people will get over it, but again, that's hard to do in the moment because, trust me, that public opinion can. We've talked about it plenty of times when stores get boycotted and people, you know, the the, the matcha shop gets boycotted because of this, that, and the other because of a Twitter. It's possible. possible. A a a lot of times, it's people just going. From a marketing standpoint, from a PR standpoint, just going, I know it hurts. I know getting called names on Twitter hurts. I know people making memes about your hurts and your kids are hurt and everyone's hurt. Stay the course. This is how mm-hmm. it has to go. I told you this. Trust me. So yeah, that's why I, w- I would love to be a fly on the wall right now at, at Unity headquarters of how do you deal with this? So, so yeah, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I, I wanna we're gonna talk about this again. So we'll try to keep it shorter, but this is infinitely interesting to me. So Yeah, totally.
0: All right, so we want to do media therapy real quick. Let's do it. Real Let's quick. do it quickly. We can do it quickly. All right, cool. Go fast. What do you got? Okay, I got something. Cool.
1: Quick. I've been I've I've watched two things
0: and a game, right?
1: So first of all, movie wise, I watch Barbie.
0: Are you a feminist now?
1: My <laughs> my two <laughs> thoughts are I see why the, the people who hated this movie hated this movie. And I see why the people who love this movie love this movie. That's a very measured nuanced response. Where I sit is in the middle where I liked it. I thought it was cute. I think there's some stuff that I'm like, ah, that's a plot hole. You didn't actually answer that. But I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really well done. I, I thought it could have gone the way that the fervor around it was. I expected a way heavier feminist message, to be honest. And I feel like what I got was like a very adult response to like, here's the things that are good. Here's the things that aren't so good. Here's how we need to all work together was kind of what I got out of it in the end. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought Ryan Gosling is a very underrated part of this movie. Um, I I was expecting him to kind of just be a, and look, I mean, this is maybe part of the film itself of I was kind of expecting him to be kin, (laughs) which is like, like, no one cares about kin. Which is a big part of the movie of like, oh, you're just, you know, no one cares about you. Like, it's, you know, you're just, you're, you're and, right? And that's a big part of the plot of this movie. I think Ryan Gosling did a really good job. Um, He should get more credit for, like, being part of this movie, but not standing in the way of it. But, you know, like, again, I think he did a really good job um i he should get more he should get more of a pat on the back for playing this role the way that he did margot robbie was great as well like i, I think it's oh just, he
0: does though but ryan gosling gets so much he gets, that's like one of the it's, ironic parts about yeah, it, gets it a lot of everybody's yeah. everybody's talking about how good he is in it yes
1: yes <laughs> which is funny because it's like yeah, yeah Mar- margot robbie but i think for me i'm just like well margot robbie of course she's great like i guess for me it was maybe the understated of just like can you know, pump up how great she was but i was not expecting ryan gosling to be good so the expectations were maybe, and again, maybe that's due to the marketing. I just expected for Margot Robbie to re, to be outstanding and she was. I expected Ryan Gosling to kind of be, meh, and he was really good. Um, So yeah, I, I recommend you watch it if you're not a sensitive snowflake to women wanting to say things of how they feel. <laughs> if that offends you and you get hurt by women telling you that you might be wrong, then maybe this isn't the movie for you. But for me, that was fine. I get told I'm wrong all the time. Fair enough. Still haven't seen it. The other thing, I'll I'll go to the video game and then I'll go to this TV show I'm watching. I started playing Octopath Traveler. I bought this game physically, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. I've got the physical cartridge. (laughs) I own the game. So I bought it. It's been sitting there for five years. I saw that the second one came out and it was getting great reviews. It came out a while ago. (laughs) And I said, huh, I own the first one of this. Maybe I'll play that one first. I like it. What I don't like is that it feels like I'm at the stage now where I got to grind and I'm not very happy about that, which means I might not finish this one. I heard the second one fix that where it's not yeah, so much grinding sure. and trying to get yeah. points up because I'm at a point where I've got all eight characters. Basically, so anyone who doesn't know this game is basically there's eight characters with eight stories. It's an RPG. So you switch between the characters. You pick a main character, but then you can switch between any of the seven to a fun tell twist. It,
0: yeah, fun, fun twist about this. The eight characters barely acknowledge each other.
1: Yes. Yeah, again, barely. Barely acknowledge each other, which, again, is fixing the <laughs> next game, right? So everything everything that's bad about this game, apparently they fixed it, which is yeah. why when I told you I was second playing this great. game, your response was, why don't you play the second one? And it was like, well, because I own the first one, because I, oh, I paid for me, it already, yeah. and I want to play yeah, it. All right. But Get it. we're getting to the point where I'm going, okay, I got all eight characters, but now I'm like eight levels until like the suggested level of the next round of stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so wait, do I have to just walk around and grind until I'm of a satisfactory enough level to not get, you know, completely wiped the floor with. And it feels that way. I kind of tried to progress one of the stories. I went into a cave. I got, I got molly whopped. It was awful. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I've enjoyed it so far. I don't know if I'm up for grinding to get to a level that's appropriate. That's, that's where I am.
0: Yeah. It's, it's brutal. Cause, uh, I I played a shit ton of the original. I loved it, but there is one boss that like you need to have these items that'll like revive you or like can prevent this one attack that he gives you. Yes. And I only had two, and it's like, oh, you need four, or you're or you can't beat this thing. I'm like, no, you uh, can't beat it. Then that. I'm good. And I put like yeah. 60 hours into that game, so that sucked or whatever it was that I put into. It. I don't even know, but it, yeah. it was depressing. I I'm like, yeah, I'll go back. And then I was like, you know what's screwed? I'm just gonna play the second one. Second one's great. It feels a lot smoother. It doesn't feel nearly as unfair as the. So look, I think I'll one. play because the... up until that one moment, I was having a great time. That one, yeah. it, I've, it's rare that a game will just have one moment that is just like, oh, this is. I'm just not. No, I'm. I'm done. I'm done because of this. Yeah. You. You fucked me.
1: Yeah, and look, that's how I kind of feel a little bit of just like, oh, I feel where this is going. So look, maybe I'll play the second one if it goes on sale during Black Friday. Last thing I want to talk about is I started watching this show called Warrior. Have you heard about this television show at all? No. Why does it sound familiar, though? I feel like no one has. (laughs) Right? So I had a friend, shout out to Brandon, who told me to watch this. And I said, okay, what's it about? And he goes, it's about Chinatown, San Francisco after the Civil War. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's interesting, but also sort of period piece. I don't know how I feel about watching a period piece about Chinatown in San Francisco. I love this show because <laughs> what this show actually is, and I didn't realize this until I started watching it, apparently it's from the writings of Bruce Lee. So apparently Bruce Lee has had something to do with, with writings and notebooks about this story of an immigrant from China comes over to Chinatown in San Francisco and he's able to fight he's got a martial arts background so this is a mixture of like hong kong cinema and like game of thrones (laughs) without dragons okay and i love it (laughs) there's there's a lot of i mean it it was on cinemax i think it's now part of hbo max because all that stuff kind of merged you mean max Yes, exactly, just Max, right? So it's just Max. <laughs> so the first two seasons were Cinemax, the the season that just got released that I'm that I just got to now, and I will say that the second second season, episode nine is one of the best episodes of television I've ever watched. Wow, it's great. It's basically, and not to spoil it, it's basically a giant race riot in San Francisco. Oh. and it's it's gripping. The action is great. This show was really good. I would say you won't like this show. It, I mean, there's a lot of good... Gr- the thing I don't like, and I know this is gonna sound silly and 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 not true. I hate when these HBO shows and these Cinemax shows, when they like overdo the nudity and the sex part of the show. That bothers me for some reason. Cause I'm like, don't, like, don't patronize me. Like, I get it that someone is watching this because it's a horny television show. I felt that we were Game of Thrones. Huh. Cause at some point huh. they stopped doing that. Like this show, yeah, the it went first to max, five episodes, the first five episodes is it's Cinemax after 11 p.m. Oh, like, you mean it's everywhere. It's nudity. It's it's all of it. And then they just phase it out because it's just not part of the story, right? It's not that important. Well, they, the story they got anymore. you.
0: They got you at that point. But they didn't get me with that. They got me with, oh, wait, right. Bruce Lee. But think thing. about this how many martial people did. Is... But think about how many how much they did bring in with that. And people are like, oh, OK. Oh, and there's actually a good story around this stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, now we're going to take all that. And now we can enjoy the story yeah i i guess i
1: get maybe maybe i'm just maybe, i'm again i'm not i'm not a prude i'm not sensitive to it i was just like you say right, another so. an, another thing <laughs> where we got to see the okay we're in the brothel again okay yeah yeah okay we're yeah, gonna see again. some boobs okay yeah yeah okay we're gonna see some backs oh yep there's another sex scene okay yeah yeah oh yep mm-hmm. someone breaks in there it was just it was a, a little much but after after that started to phase out after that started to, to not be like Hey, let's show this again for the for you to keep watching this show. And they just got to the story. Man, the show is fantastic. It's great, and I think I feel this like is this one is of those going to
0: have a lot of gore and blood
1: and violence. Uh there, there is quite a bit. It's it's not. And again, I'm not sensitive to it, but it's it's not as. It's not. Yeah, you know what? No, no. I take that back. It is. There's, there's quite a bit. Yeah. Um. anyways,
0: this killing people with a hatchet. That's yeah. That's yeah. The last I mean, I, I think, think that. No, thank you.
1: It's got, a lot of, it's got a lot of really good, um, I think there's Canadian Asians and, and British Asians and lots of, lots of people internationally, a couple guys from Hong Kong. So it, it just gives me that Hong Kong cinema feel in a television show, and I really enjoyed it. It's great. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm watching right now. I've got like six episodes or like seven or eight episodes left in the third season that I just started. Um, but this is like the fav- my most favorite thing I've watched in a long time. It's great. Wow. Okay. So yeah, cool. That's
0: me. Um, yeah, I've watched, I haven't finished, I haven't watched the last episode of Ahsoka, but I watched everything up until that. So I watched up to last week's, I still have no idea what's going on in that show. I don't, I don't, yeah, maybe I, cause I'm not I, paying attention, but I just don't know what's I, happening. I get it. I understand. You kind of have to watch clone wars and rebels, which I did not, but I still, I get it enough and I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's just like another episode of the Star Wars show, and I still think her hat looks stupid. And I don't care if you tell me <laughs> if it's a hat or not. It still looks. Not a dumb. Hat
1: the tails apparently.
0: Whatever, man. I mean, even e- there's a point where you see her without a thing on her head, so it's like you just see the bridge, like the actual transition from her forehead to the hat, and it's it's weird. It's weird looking. I, I don't, you know. It just it bothers me, every, all the time. It always bothers me to look at that thing. Like it, it's it's creepy.
1: Do you think it bothers Rosario Dawson when she's like, "Do I have to wear this stupid thing all the time?" Can uh, We have a scene where she doesn't have it. Or do you think that she's just does, like That's the you character? Know,
0: if it does, she'll never say it. She <laughs> just seems cool. Rosario Dawson she does just seems cool, cool she right? Seems cool.
1: No, it's great. She just like, seems I'm cool. like, yeah. She
0: she seems like she's having a good time
1: with this, which is what's kind of fun to be honest
0: yeah yeah look i i thought it was uh it's it's fun and i think the last scene and not this episode i guess that's episode five i thought it was like very cool like there's some there are some moments in the show where i'm like damn i it's the same thing when i was watching andor i was like i wish this was a movie
1: yeah like i wish this was a movie I I don't want to keep harping on the same point, but I just finished episode four. Spoiler alert! If you care about the show, we're pretty much done with this podcast, so you can just turn it off. The the, the Skywalker crap.
0: Well, it makes sense though for <laughs> her, and that's fine. But I'm not it does, I'm not it, mad. It it's, does, this but is but not it... this this is not shoehorned. This is absolutely is not, not okay. shoehorned. Okay. No. No, 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 no. Because I just finished the episode where she's it like is...
1: Anakin, and I'm like, oh God, yes. come on, no, you gotta be it's... kidding
0: me. Her origin, her whole origin is in, like, this character exists as being the apprentice of Anakin. That's her yes. whole arc
1: yeah, I get Wars. it, but still. So I'm that makes like, sense.
0: Yeah, it's not like, it's not like you go through the Mandalorian, you don't hear anything about the Skywalkers, and uh, then Luke is your yeah. deus ex machina. <laughs> he just that doesn't up. make yeah. any sense. Yeah. This <laughs> makes sense. I will allow this. I'm not mad about that at all. This is fine. This is good, and I, you know, that guy, um, was it Ray Stevenson? That guy's just awesome. He's <laughs> yeah. just so cool. It sucks that he's dead. But I mean, yeah. you know, this is a weird <laughs> sentence to say out loud. You know, I could say that about a lot of people, but uh, you know, you see this guy and you're like, man, he's just cool. He's such a good villain. He's great he in this. He's but, just, yeah, but just he's, standing but he's, there is awesome. But we know and what happens he's awesome. to him
1: in life and in the show.
0: I pff, we'll see. He's gonna die. You never know. Do we know he's going to die in the show? I, I'm I'm guessing. I'd put money on it <laughs> that he won't make Probably. it out of this season. You don't think he's going to make it out alive? All right, fair enough. But I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Um, I, I actually do like it. Um, it took me a while to finally start watching it, but I did uh, finally on the way back to uh, when I was flying back from the from the West Coast, and I really, uh, yeah, I enjoyed what I saw. So pleasantly surprised because I expected nothing, and I enjoy it. So all right. Next up, uh, I didn't, I haven't watched any other movies or anything like that, but I haven't I've been playing some games. I'm back in the, I'm back home for a, an extended period of time. So I finally, I'm just going to talk about one game that I've been playing and that's Final Fantasy 16. I finally started it after buying it day one and not playing it until about last week when I got back from, I actually went to Portland for two days and then I went to Seattle. I mean, I went to Seattle, P- Portland after Seattle, and then I came home. And I did not leave my apartment for two days. It was great. And what did I do during that time? I played Final Fantasy XVI. And I watched the Ahsoka episodes. Um, Final Fantasy XVI is awesome. It's just just a badass game. It is so far up its own ass with its lore that it is really... Difficult to follow sometimes to the point where they people praise this, and I think it's great to have. They have this thing called like this active lore system, where at any point you could hold down the touchpad on the on the PS5 controller, and it'll tell you what the hell people are talking about <laughs> <laughs> and who the characters are on screen. Oh, that's funny. like up to that moment. So it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, cool. So here's Clive at this point. Here's that lady. Here's this place. That's what this kingdom is. This is what this kingdom is. And that's who the dog is. You're like, great. This is fantastic. This is great that at any moment I can be like, who's that again? Click that button. Oh, got it. Right. Those people. And even at that point, sometimes it still doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't matter because it's just like the production values of this thing are something to behold as a final fantasy game. It is a radical departure from anything they've done before. Cause it's literally a third person, um, character action game like it's closer to devil may cry in its combat than it is to uh final fantasy to any like turn-based final fantasy game um but that's fine that that the combat doesn't determine a final fantasy game every final fantasy game has different combat so it makes sense it's not overly complicated it's not even difficult i've never died i've died one time in this game in combat and that's because there was a um like some bosses occasionally have like a one-hit kill attack Oh, which sure, like charges yeah. up and I just got, it was just bad luck. So it's just, it's just awesome. It's fun to play. The characters are amazing. The The production values are unbelievable. It's visually stunning. It sounds amazing. The music is great. The voice acting is great. There's a dog that you have like a dog <laughs> companion that starts us up. There's spoilers, spoiler alerts, but you start off as like a kid and then everything goes to shit. And then, um, but you have this dog, and then I'm like, oh, my God, if they hurt this dog, so help me God, I will be <laughs> so mad. And then next thing you know, there's like a time skip, and now this dog is a wolf, and now the wolf fights alongside you. And it could, there like, you go. Yeah. It could beat the shit out of people right there along with you. And then, oh, my God, Torgel is like the MVP of the of, of the year when it comes to games. He's such a good character. I lo- I'm a sucker for like a, an animal companion in a game. Yeah, you but are. you've known. This about me. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's know true. This. It's true. I've a sucker for animal companions in games. I love I love a good dog companion. Give me a good cat companion. Whatever it is. I don't give a shit. Uh, I'm on board bird companions, meh. Yeah, dogs, much. And, dogs, and, dogs and cats. Yeah, we'll traditional. go you, You're a traditional guy. Dogs and cats. Some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah, exactly. Something something on the ground. Okay. You, you flying over there taunting me because you go fly. Who are you? Who are you? This game is great. I, I absolutely love this game. I'm like so, so happy and, and I'm, I'm so happy like playing this thing and begrudgingly I recorded this podcast when I could have just played this for another couple of hours, have. but, but, but I, uh, but, I but, but now I look at that. You got two hours and
1: 30 minutes of content down.
0: Yeah. 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 Now I'm, now I'm past the point where I want to go to sleep because I got to go to, I'm going to go to the gym in seven hours from this moment. Look at, that. Um, look at that. Yeah. Back to it. So that's, that's what I've been playing. Final fantasy 16. Highly recommend it um yeah it's just it's just awesome it's just very cool it's got this kind of medieval thing it's super violent like <laughs> the, the people get to beheaded it's gory they drop f-bombs like this is this is definitely different than in tone than most final fantasy games mainly because of the mature nature of it not so much the kind of fantasy they're going for like a game of thrones uh grit but you know it's it's fine I don't think that there's only really one character in the game. There's like a, a love interest character that you could tell that what they're going for. And I just don't care about this character at all, which is annoying to me because I like, I like, I like a good romance B plot in these games. It's one of the reasons why I love tales of arise so much. Like I love the relationship between those two main characters. And now I'm playing, I'm playing this game and we got the main character Clive. His name's Clive, but he's definitely like one of the most badass characters ever even though his name's Clive. And then you got his his lady friend Jill and you like want her to be awesome and she's just kind of lame. <laughs> so that's the only downside I have about this game. Like I love a good strong female protagonist or uh support character, but man, Jill uh kind of sucks. Now look, I'm only This is going to sound weird when I say only. I'm only about 20 hours into this game. (laughs) And I mean, that's not that bad. If you're a gamer, you know, you're like,
1: okay. If you're a gamer,
0: are you a a gamer? gamer? You gamer, bro? Uh, (laughs) So, how long to beat puts this at 35 hours for the main story, 57 and a half hours for main plus extras. I think I'm going to end up more in like the. I can't. I'm like, feel like I'm breezing through this thing. I don't know. Let's assume I'm halfway through this game. So look, Jill still has time to come around and not be a lame-ass character, but literally the last plot beat that just happened is like, hey, Jill, you need to sit on this. You need to like chill and sit and uh, and rest. And it's like, okay, cool. Guess I'm not talking to Jill for a while. Now I get to now I get to jaunt around with my wacky uncle, and that's fun. So yeah, Final Fantasy 16, great game. Highly recommend it. Only on PS5 right now. Coming soon to PC. Who the hell knows when? Probably next year at some point. And who knows what else. But yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome game. Really great. Love it. Go. Cool. That's it. I you talked did more it. about Final Fantasy 16 than I thought. Are you have anything I said about Final Fantasy 16 enticed you to play this game? No, not really. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Is it because of Jill? Is it because she's such a lame character? Yeah, that's all right. Because
1: you dog Jill God damn it, Jill. Jill. Jill didn't Jill didn't she didn't need that. That was unfair. Jill
0: didn't Jill didn't Jill. Got it. All right, fair enough. Uh, cool. Well, that's it. I'm going to go to bed. So this has been, he's a bra. Thank you for listening. I, if you made it this far. Wow.
1: Wow. 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 Wow.
0: Wow. Thanks, Greg. Cause you're the only one. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're back. We'll try to get these more frequently and until, uh, and I'm not going to do any wind up, you know, tell your friends, do things, whatever. Until next time. All right. I got the soundboard.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> shuck it. Duck it now.